0: Because I didn't... I don't have... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go back. We're in Isaiah 42. Let's go back to verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and that set in darkness out of the prison house I am the Lord that is my name and my glory will I not give to another neither my praise to graven images behold the former things are come to pass and new things do I declare before they spring forth I tell you of them Before they happen. And I want to go back to chapter 29. I said, I don't know where the Lord's going to take Sister Sheila. But I got a great excitement in my spirit. Verse 13. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draweth near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, and have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men, therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among the people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall shall be hid God said I will proceed to do a marvelous work and a wonder we have never seen or been a part of the visitation of the former rain. we've never had it I grew up in healing revivals that drew large crowds but the only thing they preached was healing that's all they preached faith and healing There's never been a word like God's given today to establish, strengthen, and settle people to bring them into a completeness in God like God's revealing now. But everybody ain't going to hear it. There's some folks fixing to hit the exit ramp. And they ain't going to be able to get back on. Because God said, Right now, I've got a people They talk about me with their mouth. He said, but I'm not in their hearts. Right now, the church is in a bad place. I don't care how you want it. It's in a bad place. Everybody's going through form. Everybody's going through doctrine. Everybody's, it's like I preached last week. Preachers are throwing everything at people, including the kitchen sink. Ain't nothing working. Preachers don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't have any direction because they don't have a relationship with God preachers as a whole and I saw something yesterday in prayer it just broke my heart says Sheila. I saw pastors like big dogs they were laying down and they had their paws extended and right between their paws was like a big meaty bone and God said that's what pastors are about their church and anybody gets near it, they're going to growl at them they're going to snap at them they're not going to let the ministry work the way it needs to work. We fix and see a change in ministry. You mark it down. I don't know how big the church was in Antioch, but in Acts 13, the Bible said there were prophets and teachers in the church in Antioch. Plus Paul and Barnabas spent a lot of time there. So you had apostles, you had prophets, you had teachers, there's probably evangelists going in and out, and all of them working in the church with a unity. Not one person trying to do it all, and growling and snapping at everybody else. If we don't get the fivefold ministry moving, the church ain't going nowhere. God put it in Ephesians 4.11 and listed it out. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then the next verse says for what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the working of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You can't take the body where it needs to go in one ministry. Can't do it. We can't limit the working of the Spirit of God to one person in the church. And expect God to mature us and strengthen us and bring us forward. You can't do it. This is why God is beginning to talk to people. What are you bringing to the house of God? What are you prepared to do? Everybody wants to come in, sit down, and let the pastor do it all. You ought to come through them doors prepared to be used of the Spirit of God. What is your joint going to supply in this service how are you positioning yourself and conditioning yourself for God to bring you into the body and make you a vessel he can flow through because it ain't all about you but that's what people have made it and it's got to change I'm telling you it's got to change because there's a shaking and there's a separation. That's happening. Oh, mm. oh, hallelujah. Mm. People are going to go right on, Sister Susie, doing just what you saw. They ain't even going to know. They're going to be like Saps so and they ain't even going to know God's left them. God stirred me up. And I went back and listened to a service. From November the 9th, 2014, one of the last services I preached in Fort Payne before the, devil tried to, before the Lord took the hedge down on me. And I went through what I went through. And because God tried me, Satan did try to kill me. You rest assured of one thing, that God puts you in a trial, but the devil will do his best get in there and he will do his best. But I remember the Spirit of the Lord fell on me. And I saw in the spirit, Samuel turned to Saul, and he grabbed his mantle, and he ripped it. And he said, this day, the kingdom is rent out of your hands. God spoke to me, and he said, this day, November the 9th, 2014, he said, the kingdom of heaven is rent from the church world. He said, this church world, as we know it, they'll never get this kingdom. You mark my words. God's fixing to raise up a new generation. He's fixing to bring forth a new crop. Because 90% of the places you go, their mouth honors Him, their lips talk about Him, their ears can't hear Him, and their hearts far from Him. Everybody going through tradition. Going through tradition. Just like they told you, they won't come here because we don't have enough singing. We don't have enough good church. People right now are in desperation for God to move because pastors and preachers ain't taught them a prayer life. And all they have is good church. But that day God spoke. He said, I'm lifting my hand off of America. The blessings and security, I'm taking it off. And he said, my judgment will come on this nation, it will come on the earth, and it will come on the church. And the Spirit of the Lord hit me And I started counting. I said, one, two, three, four, five, six I said, I see seven plane crashes. I said, you hear what I'm telling you? Today, God's blessings is lifted off this nation and lifted off the church. And about three hours after I spoke that, there's a big evangelist. I don't even know what his name is now. Monroe. Monroe. Headed into Barbados or Jamaica on a private jet. Had his whole evangelistic team with him. They crashed and killed every one of them. And God started confirming that word just two or three hours. And God, within 30 days, there were seven plane crashes. There wasn't any big major ones, but that ain't what God said. God said there'd be seven plane crashes. Within 30 days, God confirmed that word. Somebody's going to get this kingdom. There is a new beginning in the hungry. And Jesus told the people. He said the harlots and the publicans will go in to the kingdom of God before the children of the kingdom. There is a moving, there's a shaking, there's a wooing. And that day God spoke said so there's a change in the spirit he said things are fixing I told people before I said things are fixing to change <laughs> I had no idea what God was fixing to do in my life but I'm going to tell you something from that day things changed they changed for me but in that same service the spirit of the Lord was on me strong I said watch what God does in LJ, Georgia and we were just meeting in Sister Kathy's house on Friday nights at that time but I said watch how many times we meet Sister Susie and the Spirit of God just saturate at Sister Kathy's house every time what's God been doing here saturating getting the people prepared for I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord whom ye seek I, shall suddenly come to his temple. So in the in us, i the fixing to sit down in us. The former reign of the Holy Ghost I, is fixing to come in us. I, and we're going to turn to the Gentiles. God ain't going to keep preaching his kingdom, he's fixing he to send us after a rich salvation and deliverance. And souls are coming into the kingdom souls are going to be added daily to the church you better, I'm telling you you better get ready you better get ready you better shake yourself out of this form and tradition you better shake yourself out of what we call church and I don't know nothing about this man but I heard him somebody sent me a clip and I heard him and y'all know this is a shofar Don't know nothing about him. Don't know that he's real. But what he was saying caught my attention. He's from Indiana. He calls himself the Shofar Man. And he's called for a meeting in September for the government of God to be established and begin to go forth in the church. The ministries, the government of God. The government of God ain't in the church. You can say what you want to. Everything's fell into pastors' hands, and pastors have pulled back. You know let this and come in, that one come in. I'm gonna we'll tell you there's more pastors having revivals for pastors than there are evangelists. Everything's out of order. It's out of God's order. God fixed and put it back in his order. And if you don't get in God's order, you fix and hit that exit ramp. And when you do, there ain't going to be no on-ramp. Because God's birthing, an, I'm talking, God is birthing a brand new visitation of the Holy Ghost. He said it in that word in Joel. He said, I will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. I thought for years that meant April. I kept trying and I said, God, you keep dealing with me. That you're gonna move in the first month, and every April says so she, I'd start waiting, I'd start looking, I'd start, and then finally the other day, before God spoke this to me, I, He said the first month ain't the first month of the calendar. I, he said the first month indicates a new beginning. I, it indicates a new season, a new dispensation, I, a new time for my spirit to move. I, he said it's the beginning of life after all the deadness. I, the church is steeped in deadness. I, She's bound in dryness. I, She's going through doctrines. And traditions, uh, trying to get a move of God, and it ain't going to work. My God, come back to prayer. Uh, 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 Get a relationship. Uh, Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. The harvest is ripe. Don't say, yet four months and then come of the harvest. The harvest is ripe. Brother Donald called me the other day, he said, Brother Matt, because the Lord spoke a fast and put him on his fast this week. He called me the other morning, he said, I don't know what's fixing to happen. He said, But I'm fixing to call my boss and tell him I or go talk my boss, tell him I want a thirty-day leave of absence. He said, I'm gonna find a place to get the tent up in J." He said, During the day I'm gonna be out. Witnessing the people praying for them Talking about the Lord Tonight I'm going to be under that tent Having service then seeking God They come up here yesterday afternoon Got in the church and stayed all night long I was down here the other morning At 4.30 in the morning God has so stirred my spirit Hallelujah, and I didn't get to be up here about three days last week, but I'll be up here all next week I'll be in his church praying every night probably sometime during the day why God told me two or three years ago I can't even remember it might have been you He said tend the field in L.J. In Elijah is your sufficiency In L.A.J. is everything you need He said you don't run off to this field and that field You get in L.A.J. and you plow that field, you take care of that field I've resigned myself, Sister Pat, to L-A-J. Elegy, uh, to seeking God for elegy. Uh, to breaking ground in elegy. Uh, what did God tell us in Jeremiah? Uh, break up your fallow ground. Uh, man, the ground ain't been plowed up here. Uh, all people that have is gospel singings. Uh, good church. Uh, it's time to return. Uh, and God said, uh, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you. Uh, and he said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Uh, and when he talked to us, in uh, Joel about that visitation about the rain, the former, and the latter. He turned around and said, I'll restore everything. It's been stripped away from you. This ain't something just happened in the last few years. God showed me from the dispensation of the former rain, says Sheila, when it began to die out. And, man, you try to tell people they ain't got what they got on the day of Pentecost. I mean, I preached in Fort Payne the other night. I wrote, God spoke to me that Wednesday afternoon. I preached that night, and I come out there and told me, I said, you ain't got what they got on the day of Pentecost. Boy, I had a lady there come to my meetings for you. Boy, that old religious devil just booed up at me. I felt that thing. I said, all right, you got it. Where's the men walking the street in their shadows healing the sick? You got it? Where are the people going into the house of God and yanking the lame up on their feet? You got it? Where's the Phillips going down to Samaria and turning cities upside down? Philip didn't go down there For no three day revival Man don't ask me To come preach For three days I can't stand that spirit Don't tell me You're going to have a revival And you want me To come preach For three days Do you realize How long it took For Philip To evangelize Samaria For God to cast out devils And do what he done And then when the move Of God got so noised abroad The church of Jerusalem Sent forth Peter and John they didn't go on their own I, they went down by the commandment of the church I, to lay hands on them I, that they might receive the Holy Ghost Amen. the church had government it had leadership people worked by the Spirit of God the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 any prophets in the church let them speak by two or by three you mean you did have prophets in the church, brother? Not just a pastor, but prophets. Right. Yeah, you can have prophets. You can have apostles. You can have evangelists. You can have the ministry working in the church. We don't have this. We don't have this. So Sheila, me and you work good together. It don't matter how God uses you. It don't matter how God uses me. We just flow together in the Spirit of God. There's very few ministers you can do that with. And I know what I'm doing ain't going to upset her one bit. Cause what she's got, God's give her, and it's going to add to this church. It's going to add what God's doing. It's going to fit right in. But I want you prepared for what God's going to use her to do. Don't worry about where you're going to go eat after service. Don't worry about trying to beat the church crowd there, because I can tell you, you ain't going to beat them there. Because they going to be there, twelve fifteen. About 11.45, they're going to start pulling that watch on the preacher like a double-barrel shotgun. I've seen them do it. I've seen them pull that sleeve back, hold that watch up at the preacher, and do just like this. Boy, you don't want to do that to me preaching. I'll preach another hour. Freedom, ain't no clocks in the church. ain't no clocks in the church. We don't want clocks in the church. We want the Spirit of God to have His way. So you just know That what God has spoken to us He going to do yes. But Justin was telling me he's listening to the camp meeting from 2012 And God was speaking out of time of change See when God starts speaking A lot of times it will take God two or three years To get things in people's heart Get it in their spirit And they start moving with it God can't just speak and people comply <laughs> We got to spend two or three years Killing our flesh and then when we get that place that the word really hits us, we'll go. I could have had this three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Boop. <laughs> Where was my head three years ago? Did I just talk to a man last night? I ministered for him last week. Didn't come to know him until 1993. He wasn't even preaching then. i have been doing some evangelizing. He pastors a church now. And he stood up and told the people. Made me get tears in my eyes. He said, I grew up under my daddy. My daddy's a pastor. He said, I learned a lot from my daddy. He said, but this man right here, he's my spiritual father. He said, this man's life is mentored to me. this man is my spiritual father to come out here and take this service I had to fight back tears I had no idea that's the way that young man thought of me he probably 20 years my junior but from the time I met him in 93 he come to the tent revival he saw the miracles he saw the deliverance he saw the prayer he saw the seeking God and it moved him and he turned into that lifestyle I want to have an impact. I want to be affection. I want this church to be affection. You know, God told us that if we'd start praying in this church, the Spirit of God would start going out of this church. And just the Spirit of God going out in the community would start causing people to get saved and they'd start coming. So Sheila, I seen a car go down the road when I was in that spirit. And they got right here in front of the church and they slowed down, almost stopped. Somebody pointed out the window and said, the God in that church, He real. He real. How many churches can you go by? and wrote one down. Boy, say, the God in that church? <laughs> He's showing himself to be God. There's something happening there. You want something to happen? You want something to happen? Then leave your insanity behind. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That's insanity. You don't got to do something different. You got to do something different. You want God to reveal Himself? Do something different. You take me at my word if I be a servant of the Lord. And you'll let God truly get a hold of your life. And bring you where he wants to bring you. You fixing to see... God, bring your family in to this right here. You hear what I'm telling you? If you see God, bring them in. I know your son's in a, he's in a quagmire. He's in a turmoil, and he don't know which way to go. But it's going to be your prayer. It's going to be your seeking God. It's going to be your commitment to this right here. that's going to cause God to deliver him, and God's going to deliver your girl into this, and God will even give your husband a life-changing experience in the Holy Ghost before he leaves this life, and that's thus saith the Lord. That's do oh, my yeah. That's thus saith the Spirit of God, It will come to pass. Hallelujah! Because God said it. Get your hearts ready, man. I'm sitting on dead ready. My feet's in the starting block. <laughs> I'm waiting, excited, expecting. Believing. Because, see, I need the fivefold ministry as much as y'all do. I can't do this by myself. And what did God tell us to pray for the first of the year when God spoke to me about being baptized in His death? God said, Seek for the fivefold ministry to come forth and for us to be ready, get ready and be re- that place we can be baptized into His death because we ain't there yet. I don't care how you cut it. We have not had a baptism that has destroyed this body of sin. We still got to fight this sin nature. But there is a baptism. Paul wrote about it in Romans 6. He wrote about it in Romans 8. Peter wrote about it. 1 Peter 2.24 He said, Who among himself in his own body bear our sins on the tree that ye being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. So, there got to be something going to kill us to sin in this sin nature. I don't believe God's people are supposed to battle this sin nature. I don't believe every time something extreme happens, we're supposed to be ready to whip somebody. I don't believe we're supposed to lose our tempers. And I'm talking to myself. Because right thing hits me, I get angry in a heartbeat. That's sin nature. That's sin nature. You know, we need to be dead to sin that we can live under righteousness. But it takes all five of these ministries. It takes all five of them. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight said, "For God has set some in the church first, apostles; secondarily, prophets; thirdly, teachers. After that, helps, governments. All different ministries have been set in the church. And yet, all we got is pastors. Really, that's about all we got. Pastors." And I was praying a couple of weeks ago. Me and Brother Michael Harris down Fort Payne. We've been talking and praying. He said, my God Brother met her. He said, people want me to have revivals. want me to go out and put the tent up. He told them. He said, I ain't doing it all. I ain't going out there and putting the tent up, staying with the tent, watching the tent, praying, preaching. He said, I ain't doing it all. He said, I don't mind doing my part. I don't mind helping. I don't mind fighting. He said, but we need some evangelists in the church. He said, the only evangelist I got right now, he said, is your son, Brother Christopher and said, he's, right now, he's bound to that job until God speaks to him. And I got checking who we got that I would call an evangelist in Elegy That's free and ready to go. Brother Justin keeps saying, Brother Matt, I'm going to have a tent revival. I said, I'm fine with it, Brother Justin. I said, but I'm not going to go down there and put up the tent and stay with it day and night take care of the tent, pray, fast, seek God I said I'm not going to do it I said we need the body ministry and now I see what God's doing to Brother Donald <laughs> man it's so thrilled my heart so thrilled my heart that God's restoring that burden and that desire because when God saved him God took him into a place and God's taking him back here and he's going to take you beyond Brother Donald that's what he told you he said I'll take you back and I'll take you beyond we need the ministry this ain't a one-man thing. I've told y'all, told y'all and told y'all and told y'all and told y'all and told y'all. I don't care what God does in this church or who God uses as long as it's the mind of the Spirit. I don't care if we come in here sometime and God takes Sister Susie over or Brother Donald or Sister Kathy or my wife. Or I don't care, says Sheila, as long as God has His way. I don't care if we sing all service if the Spirit moves that way. I'm not against singing. They got it out that I'm against singing. I'm not against singing. I'm against junk. I'm against entertainment in the house of God. If you want entertainment, go to a gospel singing. Because that's all it is. They're going to say the same things, do the same things, go through the same motions. I learned that back uh, back in the 70s. I worked a little bit with a minister down in Florida right after I got saved. and They were uh, associated with a big gospel group. And they invited them to come to town. And they had four or five singings. And so they come by and for them one night. In a, they set up a little gospel singing. I didn't know no different. Man, I was excited. I thought I felt the spirit. <laughs> Because I was only a year old in the Lord, but I am doing a lot of fasting and praying and seeking God. But you know what happened? I was in one. Next weekend, I went to another one. Same thing. Same words, same inflections, same actions. It was all an act. They're actors. They're entertainers. Every one of them. Oh, brother, Mentor, I felt the Spirit of God. No, you didn't. You felt emotion. You just raised around it. Emotion. It excites people's flesh. It makes them cry. I told people a long time ago, if I want to cry and feel sentimental, I'll go rent Lassie Go Home or come home. There are plenty of movies out there you can rent and make you cry. God don't want you emotionally touched. He wants you spiritually touched. That's the reason when the Word is preached, like I know it's fixing to be ministered God ain't talking to your flesh He's talking to your spirit Amen. I've had people go out of church right matter offended me I said well one thing about it I didn't offend the Spirit of God in you so it must have been your flesh <laughs> cause I'm preaching by the Spirit of God it ain't gonna offend the Spirit of God in you <laughs> but it's sure gonna walk all over your flesh <laughs> and I will make your flesh mad I didn't even get an amen out of that but I want you to open your hearts don't be looking around don't be moving around unless it's necessary give this vessel of God your undivided attention y'all hear me you give her your undivided attention and you listen To what the Spirit is speaking. Because I feel like God's got something for us. See, I need edifying and I need strengthening as much as y'all do. See, y'all get it every week. I don't get it every week. i got to get mine on my own in my prayer chamber. I like to be preached to every now and then minute, you know, have God edify me. Amen. We don't get it very much, do we? we got to get it ourselves. So it's good to fellowship people you know that are real in God. Because you're going to minister to me you're going to preach a word and it's just a bunch of junk. You're going to agitate my spirit. And I'm going to say this and then I'm going to let Sashila come on. Uh, like I said, I preached in Fort Payne last Wednesday, Wednesday a week ago. And Brother Michael was telling me, because he used to go to another church before God spoke to him to come to Fort Payne he went to another church and he said we had a brother come in and preach from time to time and said he'd come in and I was back there and he started talking to me he said man God has spoke to me and I got something brand new oh man he was excited he had me excited and said he walked up there opened his bible and started reading and he said right up at the top of the page where he started reading he said I had his name and the date and the title from two years ago or three years ago and he said it was the exact same word <laughs> he said I started listening to Brother Meador's CDs when I still going to that other church he said Brother Meador ruined me <laughs> Then we went on the mission field in 2006. We went to India with Sister Angela. And that burden for the people got on me. And we'd get something to eat, and we'd go in the motel room at night. About 30, 40 minutes after we'd get settled down in the motel room, I'd be on my knees praying. He said, I'd get up and go to prayer, Brother Metter. He said, I'd run out of things to pray. He said, I thought I had a prayer life. He said, that man pray an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and said, and then he might doze off and sleep 15, 20, 30 minutes, and then he'd back at it. He so said, that man prayed all night. He said, after two or three days, he said, he about killed me. <laughs> he said, because we'd pray all night and preach all day. Go out and he'd preach at night. We'd have them crowds, and he'd have all them miracles. And He said, I'm going to tell you. He said, when we got on the plane, after two and a half weeks, come home, he said, I took a couple of Benadryl, and he said, I knocked myself out. He said. <laughs> he said I swore I couldn't even go. He said I was tired of goodn't open my eyes open. And he said we got in one town one night. The spirit of prayer got on brother better and he said he got in that travail. Said you could hear him all the way down the hall of the motel. He said I thought they were going to throw us out. He said two thirty in the morning. He's screaming like a banshee. I said, Hey, prayer gets on me. I said, I'm sorry. I got to talk to God. And if they had tried to put us out, we might have got somebody saved. You just don't ever know. I said one good thing about being on the mission field. I said, You walk down the street talking in tongues and magnifying God, nobody knows the difference. <laughs> because they don't understand that you say. It. Do y'all love the Lord? Amen. Give this vessel to God a great big welcome the New Testament Church at LA. God bless you, Sister Sheila. We love and appreciate you.
1: Praise the Lord. I could have just um, sat there and just listened. Praise God. Okay, green light. Praise God, green light. But how many of you all just really already feel the Lord in such a powerful way? Praise God. I mean, Sister Susie was just all over my message. I just wasn't even certain what direction. It's been a while since I've been around you, and some of you, like Aunt Pat, I hadn't seen her or ministered to her, you know, in so many years, but um, it's just been a while, and a lot's happened. And uh, I don't, I'm not going to stand up here and say that, you know, I've heard from God a whole lot, you know, these last uh, few months, you know, I had a fire in November, my kitchen caught on fire. And so uh, I've really been displaced and uh, they just, I mean, it's amazing that the fire was in November right before Thanksgiving, but they didn't start the reconstruction until March. Because uh, the holidays set them all back. Everything was shut down all the way through New Year's. And by then, they already had other projects and other things. So anyway, my kitchen was gutted, you know, right around Easter time. And so it took them pretty much, you know, a full month to get everything back in. And even after that, we had a glitch. We had a, a pipe bust in the in the gas stove again. I said, oh no, not another fire. So we shut the gas off. Anyway, it just took time to get my life back up and running. And um, I mean, it really just displaced me and it took just so much out of me. And you know, you had a fire and that was your entire house. This was just a kitchen, but the kitchen is the major room in the house. I mean, the, the kitchen is the hub of activity. I mean, everything goes on in the kitchen and uh, my coffee pot was set up in the bathroom, praise God, I had coffee, hallelujah, so life didn't come to an end, but almost everything else did, praise God, but anyway, throughout all this time, you know, that the fire hit, things really just slowed down with me, spiritually speaking, but we did go on to Canada in December, that's our uh, winter meeting, and I got to tell you, we had a, a great move of God, but then in May, when everything was shut down, we still went back to Canada for the Mother's Day. Brother Meadows and Sister Lisa went last year for the Mother's Day meeting, and you know how we packed out, or you did, packed out that gymnasium, but this year when we had the Mother's Day meeting, we never switched over from the church, and the crowd just wasn't that big, but I tell you what, the crowd wasn't as big as it was, but there was a You had a mighty move of God last year with so many miracles and so many healings. I mean, people really, literally, were getting up out of the wheelchairs, and God was just healing people, and they were just running. And There was a woman that I know really well. She was standing in the back of the church, and the place was just packed out. I don't know how many people was there in that last service, but she spoke to me. Now, she's a younger woman, maybe late 30s, um, early 40s, but she said, He's an apostle and he has come to set the church in order. I mean she was in so much awe, you know, of um what God was doing and he was preaching a strong word. You know, Brother Metas, he's not gonna compromise. On his message, no matter where he's at, he's going to preach a strong word. And, you know, the First Nations people, which, you know, you probably know them as Indians, but they don't like to be called Indians. They say they are not Indians. They feel like that's an insult. They said because Columbus discovered, uh, uh, when he discovered America, he thought that he had discovered India. And so he said, they say that they were misnamed Indians are those people from India, and, uh, but these people, they're Aboriginals, or they're First Nations people, or they're American Indians, uh, not American Indians, what's that other word, First Nations, Aboriginal? Native. Native Americans, and so I just call them First Nations, uh, but you know, they, um, they're very oppressed people. They're very depressed, oppressed. There's a lot of incest, a lot of rape, you know, among the tribes and the reservations and uh, pushed off into a little piece of land by the white man. They hate the white man. So you really got to be, um, you got to win them before they're going to trust you. So uh, they're just not used to that kind of word. Brother Meadows, you know, came in and preached. But one thing about it, they're not used to it. And there's a lot of adultery. There's a lot of shacking. I mean, even the government recognizes, you know, just common law marriages is what they call it you know and um but brother matt has come in preaching strong against all that adultery and all that shacking and told them they needed to be packing and not shacking and you know and they just sat there and they looked you know and i don't think they actually even knew what to think but instead of the crowd getting smaller it increased every night i mean god confirmed the word with signs and wonders, I mean, and miracles, and, you know, they still talk about it, and I don't know if you made the connection with Sister Lorna, but she's actually another woman. First Nations is wanting him to go to another area, Manitoba, and they don't receive women preachers over there, so I know, you know, Brother Menace would do great, but it's just very expensive, either that You know, uh, Sister Lisa, if you're like me, I have to stay at home sometimes, and sheets are dirty, and there was blood on my sheets, and I had to just lay my coat out and sleep on top of it, because I'm really, people don't know this about me, but I'm kind of just funny. You know, really, I like clean houses. I like clean sheets. I mean, I like, you know, everything to be just so, and... You know, I like to know who I'm eating from. But you know what? God takes me on the mission field, and I just have to hang up all those things. I just have to say, well, Lord, you know, help me. You know, and I might just feel like I got the heebie-jeebies the whole time, and I just feel like my flesh is crawling and that's just strong but that's just the way it is but you know I just have to tough it out just because God has called me to do this and if I don't do what God's called me to do then I can't help these people I can't win these people I cannot go in there and act like that I am better than they are because for one thing I am a white woman it's hard enough for women to be received but it's a it's a really a bad thing to be a white woman so you know any other Nation or creed or whatever you know is going to be received before a white person, and so I just go in there and I make the best of it. And God really does help me, but I tell you what, if there's two things He's done for me, and that's in First Nations, He gave me a new song to sing, and He gave me a dance that you know last May. I know that you called it Sister Sarah Shuffle, but something got in my feet, on the, in that Mother's Day meeting last year, and it's just uh, I don't know, you know, how to really explain it. But ever since that day to this day, I mean, God's just give me a new dance, and it just doesn't matter, you know, if the storm is uh, raging. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, if my heart's broke, if I'm disappointed or upset, or the clouds are black. It doesn't matter what's going on. That my feet will just Start moving, and it's just, um. It's just a God thing, but God is doing a new thing. Hallelujah. Regardless of where we're at, you know, and what's going on in our life, you know, if we're in tune with God, He's doing something new in our life. He gave me a new song, and it might not be words. Uh, It's more like a hum, maybe like an Indian ballad. But, you know, when all is well with my soul, that song will start coming out. And when I'm at peace with God, that song will just, you know, come out of my very being and and then I'll just start that dance and it's just amazing he's just taking me out uh, you know of this o'carnal carnal mind and out into the spirit realm and I tell you I know you know that what God is doing for us uh, you know if we'll give ourselves to him if we'll give ourselves to prayer he's taken us someplace. he is taking us on a journey he is taking us away that we have not been before so we have got to be in tune to the spirit and I praise God for being here this morning. You know, I was up at the ladies' meeting in Calhoun, and they really had. I I haven't missed any. I think this is the 12th year, you know, that I've been coming. And I wasn't ministering this week, you know, but um, I just felt like I had to come. And it was just so good. You know, God had all kind of, you know, people there. And I think they started out the first night, Sister Lisa, with about 90, uh, first morning, uh, Thursday morning with 90 women. And that is just phenomenal to start out with 90 women. And I think we ended up with like 120. I um, mean, it was just the biggest. And you know, there was a lot of different word come forth. Sister Angela ministered yesterday. And I got to tell you something it was strong. Well, she ripped us up, cut us up. Well, my goodness, we had a dissection going on. But I tell you what, it was good. And God just got right down where we live. Things are happening, you know, and they're happening to God's people. And so, you know, it's good to know, though, that you're not sitting over here on a little island by yourself. And you're the only one going through. Know that we're all going through. And it's just diversified, you know, situations, divers, you know, manners, situations going on with us. But God is, you know, in the midst of it all, He's putting something in us. And so I just felt like I couldn't come this far up without calling Brother Meta, and coming up here and being a part, you know, of uh, what God is doing here. And I, when I drove up on the lot this morning, I just felt a real excitement. And it's not because I'm here. It's just because I know that there's just uh It's like the land was, uh, you know, like the trees, you know, and the wind will blow through the, uh, you know, the branches of the tree and they'll rustle when the wind blows. It's like the ground was just, uh, I don't know... You you know, like the ground was just coming up, like there was a praise, you know, all over. Can you just picture what I'm talking about? It's like I could see the ground, uh, you know, just praising God. It was, uh, I felt something new right here on this corner. I mean, it's like all around when I drove up, you know, everything was praising God. Everything looked like uh, it was new and fresh and you just have to see it through the Spirit. But I could see, uh, let everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. I mean, the trees uh, were praising God. The flowers were praising God. I mean, everything that breathes. Hallelujah. And I just saw something new and afresh when I drove up and I just felt an excitement. And so I do thank God, you know, for being here and I didn't have a whole lot of t- I did have a lot of time to pray because I do not want to miss prayer. People that miss prayer don't know what they're missing. They're such a valuable... Um, You know, that's a valuable time. It's really, you know, the most important time of your daytime or your nighttime. Everybody's not a night person. I am not a night person. When it comes, you know, about 11 o'clock, I'm ready to go to bed. I don't function well at night. But in the mornings, hey, I'm ready to have my, I'm ready to get into the presence of the Lord. And one thing he did talk to me about and teach me, you know, you are not going to find God in a hurry. You might get in a hurry to wash the dishes and you might get in a hurry uh, to put your clothes on and clean the house or to mow the yard or work on the car. You can do all that stuff in a hurry, but you are not going to find God in a hurry. Uh, If you want to find God, you got to take Time. Uh, you got to take time and you got to set an atmosphere to sit at his feet. And then uh, when you do that, you can be face to face. As a matter of fact, that word, um, you know, prayer, uh, you know, there's a, a Hebrew word for prayer, it means to be in his face. Uh, it comes from the agape word love. Uh, and that kind of agape is a thing devoted, it's a thing cherished, uh, it's close enough to kiss. In His face, that's what prayer means, in His face. Most people don't, they're not in His face, they're not close enough to kiss Him. I want to be close enough to kiss Him. Have you ever kissed Brother Meta, Sister Lisa from across the room? Have you ever kissed him from across the table? No, if you're going to kiss Brother Meta uh, or you're going to kiss Sister Lisa, you got to get close enough to smack. Uh, hallelujah. You're not going to kiss anything unless you get close enough to it. Uh, hallelujah. Most people's prayer lives, they are not kissing God. Uh, they are not close enough to God to kiss. Uh, I want to kiss him. Uh, I want him in my face. Uh, And I felt like he was in my face until I had the fire. And the fire kind of separated me from being in his face. But even through all that, because it was a traumatic thing too. It, it, every one of us, I mean, my husband, me, Chris, well, they were working on the oven. That's what happened. A screw fell out, and uh, it's a gas stove, and the um, when the screw fell out, gas shot out and ignited with the pilot light because we forgot, you know, well, we didn't forget, but we just didn't think that the screw was going to come out, you know, and the gas was on, and so whew, I was sitting in the living room, but I heard it when it exploded, and uh, Chris was right there in front of it. Just by the grace of God, you know, he didn't, you know, just didn't blow up, you know, or catch on fire. But anyway, God blessed us. Chris had some fingers burn, you know, but other than that, there was no physical. But it did, it traumatized our nerves. It just really, you know, upset every one of us, our equilibrium, and we had to go to a hotel, and we just were displaced. We had to eat out, uh, you know, every day for just, I couldn't even tell you how long. We was eating one meal a day, and then finally you know, when they put the cabinets in, we still didn't have water. We didn't have a sink. We didn't have, we didn't have anything in there but the cabinet. So we brought in a piece of plyboard because they didn't have the sink or anything in. They didn't have the countertops in. They just had the cabinets in. So my husband, he pulled in some plyboard and we kind of put the toaster up there and pulled the coffee pot back into the kitchen. And I mean, just everything was a mess. Uh, the floor came up and it put grit all over the house so every day I was having to re-clean because when you walk through the kitchen you stirred up that that ceramic dust and there it was all over the house again and the walls all my walls are still sooty I just hadn't had time yet you know to clean them I mean I'm just really I've lost a desire to clean them I mean I'm just you know I'm cleaned out hallelujah I'm just saying well that's for another time and another day right now I gotta get back in his face so I've been trying but even with the fire I never stopped going before the Lord I never stopped getting up in the mornings and going into my prayer chambers and striving to get in his face and you know God's people they don't value their prayer life hallelujah they don't value it enough when I woke up I stayed with Karen Freeman and her husband brother Roland and um um he was gone working, but Sister Karen and I, we would get up, you know, and I, she'd say, well, prayers from 9.30 to 10. And I said, oh, I thought... Um Service started at 10.30, so prayer actually is from 9.30 to 10.30. I mean, that's my kind of prayer life, you know. I mean, it might take me 30 minutes to get in His face. There's so many other things in my face. i got to get them out of my face so I can get back in His face. Uh, so we did. We Every service, we made it, you know, at least an hour before and sometimes a little more than an hour. But yesterday morning... I heard her holler, Sister Sheila, Sister Sheila, and I opened up my eyes and it said nine o'clock, and I was in a panic because I thought church started at 10. I said, Oh God, I said, I'm going to miss my prayer. How many people get in a panic because they miss their prayer? Not too many people get in a panic because they miss their prayer time. I get in a panic when I miss my prayer time. If I oversleep, I'm in a panic. i got to have face time with Jesus. I've got to be in His face. Uh, Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I go through real trials. Uh, I have real devils to fight. Uh, I have real oppositions to go through. Uh, I need prayer every morning. It's like my weapon's got to be loaded. Uh, It's got to be armed and it's got to be ready. to face the day and if I don't get a hold of God in the mornings then I'm not ready to face the giants, I'm not ready to face the devils I got a lock and load that only happens in prayer and I know sitting under Brother Matt as you know about prayer but you know what, it's a lot of folks that sit up under Pastor Vera Daniels and That is that woman's life to talk about prayer. But you know, there's few people that really hear. So though they go to the church, that doesn't mean that they adhere to the teachings. A lot of our folks, sad to say, they come in late. I'm not talking about missing prayer time. Church starts at 7, they come in at 8 and 8.30. So they miss prayer time and half the service. So somewhere people are just not valuing. But I tell you what, we're living in an hour right now. We better value our prayer time. We better have face time. Uh, I do want to be a friend of God. I want Him close enough to my face. Uh, Not only can I kiss Him, but that He can kiss me. Uh, Hallelujah, Solomon talked about uh, kissing the sun. Hallelujah, I want to be close enough to Him. Smack. You know, I do a lot of kissing on my dog, hallelujah, my little shadow bug. Oh, yes, she's in my face. She don't want to be. Hallelujah. But I'll scoop her up anyway. She runs from me. And I'll chase her down, and she'll actually turn and growl, but I'll get her anyway. Because her 16 pounds is no match for me, buddy. I want her in my face. I kiss her. Mm, I'm, you know, it might grow some of y'all out, but you know what? It just does not bother me to be in her face and kissing all over her. Hallelujah. She don't kiss me back, though. She's not a liquor. But you know what? The Lord is. He'll kiss you back. I want to be close enough to kiss Him back. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be here. Open up your Bible. I'm going to go on with what Sister um, Susie was talking about this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 well, I actually already had this, you know, and when I came in, she just confirmed it because there's always different things going on with us. How many of you know, usually if you... There's several words going on in our spirit, just several things that God might be talking to us about. And there is actually something else in my spirit that I wanted to bring out, but I don't like to really preach or talk about something until I've had a chance to study it. And I thought, well, yes, last night I'll be able to study. But you know, that just not, it's just not the way it went after five services and, you know, and all the fellowship. When I came in last night, we just, um, we ate and we laid down. I never did sleep, but it was really hard to pull out the Bible and start studying something new. And I love Sister Karen. She said, tell you all, hey, she loves you. And Brother Roland, they both just loved you all so much. And they would have come, wanted to come, but they had church this morning at their church. And uh, I was kind of looking for them to drive me up here. But I was thankful that my GPS Hallelujah. I call her Alice. Oh, Alice was right on the money this morning. Hallelujah. I told Brother Matt, I said, please keep your phone on just in case, because I've had Alice take me on a detour, scenic tour. Hallelujah. So I'm thankful this morning she got me here, and I'm using the maps on my phone. It actually works better than the GPS in my car, I guess because it stays updated. But um. I so said I didn't get to study out what I wanted to study out, and I may re- read it anyway in a little while, but I want you to um, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is just familiar, but what or Matthew chapter 7, but what makes it, you know, more like I want to minister on it this morning is because I actually had a dream. Now, you know, the fire displaced me, and many things can displace us. That detour, that unexpected storm, you know, that unexpected, you know, gale wind, you know, just many things can come against us, and sometimes they don't have to be great big things, just sometimes some little oh something can come and just displace us, or some little oh something can come and just get our attention. It doesn't take long, you know, if you are following a car, you know, it doesn't take but a moment's time to lose sight of that car, maybe if there is a lot of traffic, or there is a lot of coming and going, or there's a lot of activity, you know, going on. And so, you know, life happens and it happens to every one of us. I mean, not one of you this morning are, you know, are special in that degree that, you know, you're the only one that trials happen to. I tell you what, if you look at me and look at my life, I tell you, I'm the epitome of trials. Uh, My God, I was born in the fire. Hallelujah. I was made in the fire. I'm still in the fire. One of the sisters at the church says, Sister Sheila, how is it that you always uh, manage to stay on fire? I said, well, that's easy, sis. I live in the fire. Or how do I always stay on fire, you know, with God? I said, that's not hard to figure out. I live in the fire. Does anybody else, can you say you live in the fire? So it's not hard to stay on fire when you live in the fire. As a matter of fact, that gas fire that we had, we were, you know, it was a lot of uh, confusion, you know, with that fire because, uh, They were in the kitchen. I was in the living room and, you know, in the kitchen, you got a kitchen sink, you got dish towels and you got all that. I actually had a uh, fire extinguisher in in the food pantry right there. But when the fire hit, you know, there was a lot of panic. My husband was hollering at me to bring wet towels and bring them up, you know, from the bathroom and throw them in the kitchen. So I was having to go down the hall, grab towels, Throw them in the bathtub and bring them up the hall and throw them into the kitchen because I couldn't get in there because of the fire. Maybe roared roar it out. You know, but really, if, if you were going to do that, it would have been so much simpler to turn around and grab dish towels out of the cupboard right behind you you know, and throw them in there. But anyway, gas fire, you just can't put gas fire out when the gas is on and it's still flowing and it's alive. I mean, you know, you're just not going to put it out with towels. So it took a few minutes of the fire raging, you know, and the stove was in a, a wooden cabinet. It wasn't just sitting there by itself. It, it was the kind uh special made, you know, a specialty situation where they, it's in a wooden cabinet like this. And so the gas fire, it shot out and it shot up and it caught that wooden cabinet on fire. So... The wood we could put out with a wet towel, but we couldn't put the gas fire out because the gas was on. You know what I'm saying? So it was just continuously feeding. The gas was feeding the fire. But anyway, it took a few minutes for my husband to realize, hey, the gas is on. And he went out to turn it off and then had to come back for a wrench or something. And it just, in the scheme of things, you know, it it was just too late. We did call 911, they like to never got there and I was just so upset, you know, I'm not really one to panic, but I did panic that night and the woman kept saying, what is your address please? And I I said, all I could hear, what is your address? And finally I handed the phone to my husband. I said, this woman can't hear a word I'm saying, when actually I couldn't hear a word she was saying. But anyway, by the time the uh, gas company, or the fire truck got there, you know, we pretty much had the fire out, except we do have an attic And so, because that wooden cabinet went all the way up through the attic, they spent an hour in the attic making sure there was no sparks up there, you know, that would, you know, spark up, you know, during the night. But anyway, um, I have spent, you know, all this time trying to really get back, you know, in his space. And uh, how many of you know you can go through something? You can go through a sickness even. And then you just have to wrestle to get back in that atmosphere. But anyway, um, we still obeying the Lord, still doing what God's called me to do the best I can do it. But, you know, I felt displaced. I felt detoured, you know, from what God had for me. But I had a dream here, you know, about... I'm going to say about six weeks ago now, but I dreamed this dream that I was driving my car. and You know, they say, or whoever they is, but, you know, the car is like your ministry. Or maybe it's what motivates you or what drives you. But I was driving the car, and in the dream I knew my pastor was with me. I didn't see her, but I knew she was with me. And we came up to this uh, detour sign But straight ahead, right across from the detour, there was a broad road, and on this broad road there were all kind of vehicles, it was cars and trucks and buses and trains and bicycles and jeepneys and motorcycle taxis and tricycle taxis, it was all the vehicles from around the world and every kind of vehicle that we might have here in this country, and they were pedestrian, it was just every kind of moving vehicle that you could imagine, they were all on this road, and they were all going in the same direction, zoom, 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 zoom. And I looked over across at that broad road, and it was so full of vehicles uh, that even though I stopped and I pondered on it, there was really no room for me to even get on it because it was just so congested, and it was just so busy. So I had to make a turn, uh, but, but uh, the turn that I was turning to was a little, low, narrow road, and you know dreams are. The road that I turned on was about that wide. It was so narrow. And when I turned down that road, I told my pastor, I said, now we've never been this way before. And not only did I have to drive on that little narrow road, it was like it was on an incline and it was all I could do to keep the wheel steady you know to try to keep it on that little narrow road because i just felt like every second uh, it was about to throw me and we were going to be thrown over you know that road but i struggled I struggled to keep my vehicle on the narrow road, and it was like it was in obscurity. It was like there was a fog everywhere, and i couldn 't even see anything I mean I was barely managing you know to stay upon the road and but right ahead of me there was a I was following a truck. And I couldn't see anything about the truck. It was like an 18-wheeler. And this might be a little bit simple for some of y'all, but still, God is speaking. You know, we're not always where you think we ought to be sometimes. And some things are just kind of like, well, you know, you're supposed to go on the narrow road. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be on the narrow road. But sometimes you just need to know that God knows uh, that you're going through, that you're having a struggle. Sometimes you just, you know, it just makes uh, you you feel good to know that God knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. He knows what kind of struggle you're having. Uh, he knows when you're fighting to stay in the road. He He knows we're not Superman all the time. Hallelujah. But there was a truck in front of me, and it was an 18-wheeler, and I couldn't see anything about the truck, but I saw the back of the truck, and it didn't have any doors. It was just like it was a galvanized, uh, you know, tin or a galvanized aluminum or a galvanized metal, and it was just really shiny. And I told the pastor, I said, I can't, you know, I can't hardly see, I mean, there wasn't really any signs. There were signs, but I couldn't even really read the signs, and I was struggling this stay on the road and but that truck that went before on me uh, you know he said I'll send my angel before you <laughs> hallelujah to lead you in the way <laughs> and that truck was galvanized it was shiny and I said if I keep my eye on the back of that truck I said that truck is going to take me where I need to go but you know there was another truck uh, parallel to the one that you know I was following and this also had a galvanized uh, shiny back but it also had something else on the back it had two lesbians uh, in the act of you know perversion and I put my hand up uh, beside my eyes uh, like this you know like a frontlet uh, and I said Lord I cannot even allow my eye to drift over there on that other truck I got to keep my eyes uh, stayed (laughs) come on you know we got to keep our eyes stayed upon the Lord Uh, we cannot even afford to look at the storm Uh, we cannot afford to look how dark the clouds are uh, we cannot even afford to look at what's going on Uh, we got to keep our eye upon the Lord we got to keep our eye upon the word Uh, we got to keep our eye and our ear open to what God has said Uh, we got to stay attuned to the promises Uh, hallelujah because just like brother Madison is talking about a new thing uh, a new beginning and we've not uh, been this way before he said told Joshua he said Moses my servant is dead and he had to encourage Joshua over and over to be of good courage and to strengthen his heart because they had not been that way before. Up until that point they had Moses and they had you know the law hallelujah they had those ten commandments they had that staff hallelujah and it carried them all the way through the wilderness but when they got through with their wilderness journeys and they began to take on the land of Canaan they would not been that way before they didn't have Moses and they didn't have that staff Uh, hallelujah and they didn't have that word so what was going on with them was all new and different hallelujah and Joshua he had to have a strong relationship with the Lord just like we're going to have to have it We're going to have to have a strong relationship with the Lord. And the only way we're going to have a strong relationship with the Lord is we're going to have to have a strong prayer. We're going to have to be in His face. Hallelujah. We're going to have to be close enough to kiss. Hallelujah. He is a devoted thing. He is our idol. I told those first nations, I said, what's in your face? Come on. Let me ask you this morning, when you wake up, it's this morning, what was in your face? And if you think about it, sometimes many things are in our face. It, it doesn't have to be, you know lust or perversion or money, or it can be worry. It can be doubt, it can be fear it can be unbelief. There's so many things that actually can be in our face and these things will dominate us and these things will control us. But we've got to make sure that we have a prayer life that's going to put us in His face. Hallelujah. That's going to put us with our eyes stayed upon the Lord or stayed upon the back of that truck that galvanized that shiny truck. I knew it represented the Lord. But you You know, there is a perverted gospel. There is a word that says, hey, it does not take all of that. Uh, There is a word that says, you don't need to be coming over here to this little. What is it? The name of this church. New You don't need to be going over there. What? They got nine people. Why don't you come on down here where something's really going on? Tell you what, there's a voice that will talk to every one of us. And it will tell you what you want to hear. If you're moved by the crowd, it's going to talk to you continuously about the crowd. Or if you're moved by the lack of a crowd, it's going to talk to you continuously about that. Hallelujah. If you want stained glass windows, if you want Church socials, if you want Friday night suppers and gospel sings, there's going to be a voice that's going to continuously try to get your eye up off the real word, off the truth, and try to set your eyes on something else. But I tell you what, today I'm not moved by the crowd. I am not moved by the crowd. I'm not following the crowd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, you know, I do believe in my pastor, and I do believe in Brother Mattis, but more than that, I believe in my God. Yeah. I believe in my Jesus. Yeah. I believe in getting in his face. And as long as I'm in his face, he's going to talk to me to be faithful to my pastor, be faithful to the teachings of Brother John, because it is the Word of God. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And I guess I had that dream, you know, about the six weeks ago. Because of just everything, you know, that's happened to me. It's so easy to get your eye, you know, on something else. Not that I was looking, you know, for the crowd. That's not what I had my eye on. Not that I'm looking for church socials. Nothing like that. I'm not looking for great doors. I'm not looking for mission doors. I'm not looking, you know, for these things. But let me tell you, let me read this scripture here and tell you. Talk to you about it for a minute. It might be a little bit different from me, but that's all right as long as God is speaking. Matthew seven, thirteen and 14, just two little old scriptures here. Father, thank you this morning. Lord, already God, Lord, as we come into this house and we begin to pray, and Sister Susie, God, began to exhort. God, on the Word, I knew, God, you were speaking. And although, God, she and I, God, are diverse, Lord, in the way, God, Lord, we present things, God. Lord, she was, you were speaking, God, through her. And I saw, God, you loud and clear, Jesus. Lord, God, when I look at Sister Susie, God, she's like the little energy bunny, God. Lord, God, in every word, God, emphatic. In every word, reiterated. And God, hallelujah, Lord, God, you were speaking, God, through her. But God, even, Lord, as you were speaking, God, through her. Lord, God, this word, Jesus, Lord, began to just... Oh God, reverberate God within my very being, God Lord Jesus, and simple though it may be, God, Lord, God, your people got our eyes, God, Lord, sometimes God they stray, God away, God, Lord Jesus, but God, I pray today, God, help us to put our eyes, God back in. God, to what you're doing and what you're saying, God, Lord. And if we'll hang in here, God, uh, Lord, you told God the disciples, You are they that continued with me in my tribulation. And because you continued with me in my tribulation, God, you said, God, Lord, you were going to give them, uh, God, all of these things, God, Lord, God, you were going to bless them. Uh, you would give them the houses, you would give them the lands, you would give them the wife, God, you would give them the children, God, you would give them the brethren God help us to hang in here God Uh, Lord with those God Lord the companions God of tribulation Uh, God I know there's a reward coming in spite of what we see uh, in spite of what the devil says God Lord there's a reward God Lord coming God for the children of God and Lord I want to hang in here Hallelujah. God help us today in your name. Just bless God this reading of your word. Look at 7.13. He said, enter ye in at the straight gate. Now the the um, Greek word for straight, and you know this, means narrow. Enter you in. But how many of you know the enter? You know, to enter into something is really no big deal. It's no stress or no strife to enter into something. Just walk in. Just walk in. Did you have a problem when you opened the door this morning? Did you have a problem just entering in? No, you just walked in. Well, that's the way it is on the broad gate. No big deal. Just walk in. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in there at I mean it's no struggle no press no push no you know upset and it's just many there there be that go in they just walk right in on that broad road and I saw it in the dream right before me and it was so busy and it was so congested there just was not even room for me I mean I don't want to say maybe that I was at a crossroads uh, but the pastor was with me I feel like sometimes the church uh, you know gets to a place that we do stop. We do ponder. We do ponder on the path that our feet are on. But I look at that raw road, and there, what, even if I really wanted to go, there just really was no place if that hand of God has called you. Uh, hallelujah. And He's called you to walk uh, a narrow road. Hey, you're not going to find it easy even to go that way. Hallelujah. you got to really have it in your heart to walk away uh, from the Word of God and the truths that you know. Uh, And go into a perverted gospel uh, and to enter into a gospel that you know in your heart. uh, It's not what God has called you to do. Well, that might be all right for Mary uh, and it might be all right for Sue, but let me tell you something, it ain't all right for me. Uh, I've been serving God 34 years now and I can tell you, uh, He's called me to something different. Uh, He's called me to walk a narrow road. He's called you too, or you wouldn't be here. Because Brother got Metter, <laughs> I started to say Brother Gospel. <laughs> brother Matter is not preaching a word that those on the broad road want to hear. Because you know that word broad, i tell you what it means. That wide gate, it means a life of self-indulgence and pleasure. How many of you really, just for a moment's time, would like to indulge? And just a little bit of pleasure. Just kind of give it up for just a minute. And I guess maybe that's what it was. You know, I'm not looking, you know, for all these things that maybe a lot of people's looking for. But sometimes I'm not looking for a life of pleasure getting on the cruise, seat, cruise ship and laying out on a... You know, lounge chair, that's just not for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I won't take a cruise, and you know, but I'm not really a cruise. I don't want to cruise. I mean, I really don't. I don't want to go places uh, that I can't give myself to God. Uh, it's all right to go places if I can give myself to God, but if i got to be around a worldly environment and I can't give myself to God, then I don't want to be there. Hallelujah. Do you hear me? I just don't want to be there. Well, I know that probably didn't go over too well with everybody, but I'm sorry. That's just not what I want. I'm not trying to tell you what you should want, but I'm telling you what I want. I don't want to be in a place that I can't give myself to him and get in his face. I don't want to be in a place that I can't cry out to him if I want to. Yeah. Brother Meadow, matter, we had a great camp meeting this year. We really did, you know, but our crowd was off because there were different things going on. And legitimate things, and I mean, I mean, I mean, real things. And But, you know, that wasn't a stress or a strife. I mean, because just the Spirit of God was so great, and the prayer was so great, and the Word of God was so great. And every service, just every service, I went in for the hour of prayer. Did y'all hear about it already? Well. I don't, well, Sister Donna sometimes she'll stream live for certain people, but I don't think she's on open air, though. It's probably a good, good thing sometimes. But anyway, every service, the hour of prayer, there I am in his face, crying out in travail. Woo! Woo! Just every service, and it was so good to me, it was. Because if I can ever get in this face and I can just bellow like a bull, hallelujah, then I'm happy. And if I can get on a cruise and do that, woo, I'm more happy. Because I do like the water. I mean, I know how to swim. I like to swim. Of course, Jaws kind of scared me from the ocean, but you know what? I still like to swim. But every time I try to go, which is not often. Now, I did go the other day. She asked me how do I like the beach. I said I wasn't at the beach. Well, when I think about the beach, I think about going swimming. <laughs> but no, I did go from. I were with my Ukrainian friends. We went about seven o'clock at night, and it was it was really nice. And um. But I want to bellow like a bull. I want to get in that presence. I, and I know God. I know it doesn't take all that. There's a lot of people say it just don't take all that. You can pray without doing all that. Well, anyway, there was somebody that got up in the pulpit and says they don't like to hear it. And just immediately, you know, it just... Well, they kind of went on and on. You know, well, I say on and on. A minute's worth. There's a lot of words can be said in a minute. You know, they don't like to hear it, you know. And they was kind of the opinion, you know, that kind of stuff needed to be kept, you know. And, uh, you know, just don't take all that, you know, and nice words. But anyway, I, oh, I felt it because I really... Now, there's other prayers there, and there's other criers, and there's other screamers, but I happen to be the loudest one there. Brother Metis wasn't there this year. Hallelujah! <laughs> You know, and so there was other travailers there, but I happened to be in the high pitch. You ever been around a baby? Some babies can cry, and some will just get on that nerve, you know, like that baby at the Ukrainians. They just had a new baby, and I tell you, that baby has a note, a high note, that, woo when that shrill cry goes out, ooh, it just grates on your nerve and makes your skin crawl. Everybody, I feel it and go, ah! <laughs> Whatever that baby needs, give it to him. Hallelujah. He was sweet, though, but every night we'd sit down and eat, and he'd go out with that shrill cry. But after she said that, you know, I did draw back. I did. But I didn't quit travailing. I didn't quit crying, but I left the sanctuary and went, to another part of the church and you know that woman was so sweet and precious she got up she came to me personally and said she didn't mean it she regretted it as soon as she said it and um but then she got up and she actually made and I didn't say anything you know really I understand sometimes people crying and bellowing around me if I'm not in the spirit if I'm not in the spirit you know that really will kind of hinder me sometimes too, you know, because I can just, it's like I can't hear my thought. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? But that's why you got to come in early. You got to get in that spirit. You got to get in that frame, you know, so when uh, other people start bellowing around you, you don't notice. You know, I'm so caught up. I'm just, you know, and you know what? That was a reason, and this woman said, you know, it reminded her of a dying cow, and um, but anyway, you know, I, she did. She made a public apology, not to me personally. There was other travailers. I just was the loudest, you know. And um, but because there was several there, you know, and Brother Cromer, you know, he's also loud, but he wasn't there at that particular time. You know, all the travailers that are loud, like me, was not there. But anyway, she did. She made the. Public apology, you know, not calling my name, you know, because probably everybody didn't notice, you know. There's just a few of us, because when Selah uh, Childress found that I wasn't travailing in the sanctuary, she came and got me. She said, don't do that. Don't do that. She said, we need you. But anyway, so after church that day, she had to leave, and she talked to me again. She was sorry. And I said, it's okay. Really, it's okay. You know, I do really, I prefer doing my praying. I do prefer praying in private. I really do. That way, if I get loud, you know, I'm not going to get on nobody's nerves. And I don't want everybody hearing my prayer. You know, I don't always say English words. I do pray, you know, a lot in the Holy Ghost. Or maybe I don't even have words. You know, but God hears it. He, he knows what I'm saying. He knows what's going on. And it's not always, most of the time, it's not even that something's wrong. It's just the fact, hey, I want to be in His face. And, you know, i got things I need to fall off on me. And Hallelujah. And when I'm in that, you know, I feel like that ushers me into a place with God and, and so I told her that day I said well look she said she noticed that I was praying in the nursery I said yes I said but it's okay really I'd rather be in the nursery that way I'd, I can have my privacy and I said listen today I'm going to pray in the nursery I said but I want you to know one thing I'm not praying like a dying cow I said I'm going to get in there and I'm going to bellow like a bull so we had a really good you know laugh over it I just but that's the way it is with me every day but still I don't. Oh, this is going out on live stream. Oh, Jesus, help me, God. It's not. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, I don't want to offend nobody. You know what I'm saying. I don't because everybody has their own way. But, you know, I want to be in a place. What my point is, I don't want to be in a place that I can't give myself to that if that's what God wants and that's why I can't just you know say well I'm going to come and I'm going to pray here in a hurry because you're not going to get in a hurry and do that you, it takes an atmosphere it takes a presence of mind it takes a presence of the spirit to actually get in that presence and you know so that you can bellow like a bull or so that you can die like a cow however a cow dies uh, hallelujah but if you're in a hurry to get a hold of God you're not and enter into that presence. Uh, You know, hallelujah. Some people never get close enough to Him. Uh, Hallelujah for that to work up in them. And sometimes it just hits me as soon as I get down. But I've noticed, you know, from that day, I'm much quieter. Much quieter. Maybe I'm not drawing back into another room, but... And this... Week at the camp meeting because I know in times past at the uh, ladies' meeting, Sister, um, oh the woman plays the organ, you know, Sister Lena. She's so precious. I love her death. She said, "Who's preaching?" And she'd say, "Sister Sheila." They say, "Well, is that that woman that makes all those groans and just <laughs> makes all those noises <laughs> when she prays?" And she said, "Yeah, that's her." <laughs> And really, it's just never bothered me. But now, see, I'm so much more aware, you know, that people are hearing me. And I don't want them to hear me. You know what I'm saying. So this week at the ladies' meeting, I still made my hour of prayer. I still got before him. and I did bellow, but I just was conscious of the fact, you know, when I just kind of sobbed and I noticed something different you know, this time, you know, it was a great cry coming up, but I could feel something way back here in my jaws, and I can't even explain it. It's never, it was like, you know, out of my jaws, there was coming forth something new. And I know if, if I was loud enough for people to hear me, they might even think I was choking, but it was such a sob coming out of my soul, and that's why I was grieved, you know, when I thought I missed prayer, but I really didn't because I got there at nine thirty. I was still able to make it. Church didn't start 10 ten thirty, so I still had a good hour. And just every service it would just hit me as soon as I got down. As a matter of fact, my sister Sandra, we didn't come in the same car, she came with a couple of people because I was gonna stay over, so um they all went back yesterday evening. And I I stayed over with Sister Karen, but but even my own sister Sandra, she asked me if everything was all right. You know, people just don't understand. They don't understand. You know, and when you give yourself to God this way, I mean, even folk that's all around you, even folk in the church, they don't they don't get it. They they really think something's got to be bad wrong. Well, you know, I do have a myriad of troubles and stresses and trials. But you know, above all that, you know, there is something wrong. And what is wrong is that I'm not in that place with God to be effective. Uh, I'm not in that place with God, hallelujah, to make a difference. I'm not in that place with God where miracles are coming forth and healings and lives are being changed and souls are being saved. So yes, there's something wrong. Uh, Hallelujah. And I know that, you know, when it's all said and done, Brother Meadows, it's going to be done by act of God's spirit, the acts of God. It wasn't really anything that they did except obey God. He told them to go into that upper room and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. So it was obedience that caused that Holy Ghost to come upon them. When we were in Canada this Mother's Day, we went over because the first thing we do is hit prayer. The first morning, not text Merv before we even get there. I said, let them know we're going to be praying 1030, 10 o'clock the next morning. We're going to get get there Wednesday night. And we did. It was about 11 o'clock before we hit our rooms that night. But the next morning, we was at prayer at 1030. And several people came. And uh, But that morning... We probably prayed an hour, hour and a half, and I do. I just fell like a bull, you know. I just died like a cow, you know. I mean, I just did my thing. Hallelujah. And the First Nations, they just sit right there, you know, and they listen course not that many comes out you know in the beginning but still they come they reverence they don't know how to pray but they were some of us praying some of us you know reaching out but you know then a woman came up and her name was Corey, and she was in the meeting last time that y'all were there but she was really bound on a lot of a, drugs and addictions so uh she probably didn't really stand out you know amiss from the others because there wasn't she's been in the services over the years but there was no deliverance in her life and But anyway, Sister Sharon Patterson carried a burden for her. And she asked her that first day, Do you want, you know, prayer? And so this is after we prayed. And so she did. She came up. Sister Sharon and I, we both laid our hands on her. And immediately the demons began coming out. It wasn't anything that we did. It was nothing that we did, but just immediately, aha, she just began spitting them out. And, you know, and from that service on, that's the way it was in every service and not just one person. I'm telling you, the Meadow, seed that was sowed. You know, last year, this year, we saw, you know, a harvest. We saw fruit, you know, come up, you know, from that that was sowed from the Word. And um, that Mary that we prayed for when we were there in the winter meeting, we went to the hospital, not Mary, but Nancy's sister, uh, the pastor's sister. Sister was dying, so Sister Sharon and I. And a couple of more, we went to the hospital and we prayed for but she had tubes, kind of like the man that we went to the hospital and prayed for, just tubes everywhere. And, you know, they didn't expect that man to live. And Brother Mehta and I, we gowned up and we capped up and we put the gloves on and everything and we went in there and we prayed for him. And I tell you what, they said he was going to die. But you know what? That man woke up and he asked for a big mat and a cup of coffee. Hallelujah. I mean, it was amazing. And, you know, we got so many texts. I did tell Brother you know, this testimony and that testimony, this miracle, and they were writing him, and and you know, it wasn't anything, Brother Metis, that we did. It was all done by the Spirit of the Lord. It was all done by an act of God. And I think that's been the problem with us. We all thought we kind of had to conjure something up, but really what we got to do, we gotta get in his face. Uh, we gotta pray, we gotta seek his face, we gotta set an atmosphere, we gotta get in his face, and then God is going to do the work. So when we went in December and we prayed for her, she had all these tubes and she had a stroke. And then it was so many other things. You know, one thing leads to another, a stroke, a heart attack, just everything shut down, kidney failure, just uh, just everything all at one time. And so we more or less went in, and y'all excuse the wording, but we kind of went in and did the last rites, if you know what I mean. Said the salvation prayer, you know. Didn't even know she was comprehending that because she was semi-conscious. I don't even know if she woke up. You know, we just took it by faith that she was hearing us. And that was Viola's uh, grandmother. And so after the woman had all these demons, Corey, you know, these demons began coming out. There's that woman sitting in the wheelchair that I didn't recognize. And I went back there and I said, ma'am, I said, what do you need Jesus to do for you? And Viola spoke up and said, this is Nancy. And I, I was unsure who's Nancy. But Sarah's sister, the one we prayed for in December, and I said, Me and Sister Sharon, both of our jaws went, What? Because there she is alive and sitting up in that wheelchair with a good color to her skin, and she was all yellow in December, and we just, oh. So we said, Well, what can you know, it's obvious she'd gotten a miracle. So what can we do for you now? You know, what can God do? And they said, Well, she hasn't walked. Since before she had the stroke, which was in November, and we prayed for her in December, so I was fixing to pray for her. You know how we do, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You know, God, we command strength to enter back into these legs. You know, and die. you know how we do, da 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 da. You know, we just say this good prayer, and it is good prayer. It works sometimes. But you know, before I could lay hands on her and begin to pray, I heard the audible voice of the Lord. I mean, it was audible in here, but I heard the command. Command, do you hear me? The command. I heard God command her to walk. I'd never heard such a thing in my life. I mean, I've heard God command. He commanded me when I went to the Philippines the first time in 1994 in the middle of the night. I was asleep. And you know, the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than a two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of marin, bone, and spirit, and what is it? Spirit and soul. But I heard the command, heal the sick. Boy, it woke me up out of a dead sleep. And I'm saying, who, me, God? No way. You remember that message. That's Brother Medicine. That ain't my thing. No, no, I can't do that, Lord. No. But he commanded me again to heal the sick. And i I got upset with the Lord and so, you know, just in obedience, in obedience only, when I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing, I called for the sick and just, you know, I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I just prayed a prayer and, you know, believe it or not, people got healed. But, oh, I'm going to tell you something, it wasn't even me. And I knew it wasn't me. But you know what? God's still doing that. It's not me. It's not Brother Mattis. It's not you. It's not any of us. It is by the power of God. Well, it's not even by might. And it's not even by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's an act of God. And He's having to teach us we can't do it. Hallelujah. We don't know how to do it. Not My might's not going to do it. My power's not going to do it. Your might, your power, your ability, your know-how is not going to do it. But God is going to do it by his spirit. Not only is he going to do it, he is doing it. So when I heard that command, I just told her, I mean, you know what? I'm just I'm learning. I'm learning from the big leagues, you know, from the big dogs, so to speak. I compared Brother Mattis to my German Shepherd one time, you know. That German Shepherd lady, I tell you what, she didn't bark. Hardly ever. But buddy, if she ever barked out, Oh boy, you listen, something was going on. One bark was all it took. And that's the Lord. Let me tell you something. He can bark out a command, and it don't take all day to figure out what he's saying. So I just told her, walk. I said, Nancy, I hear the Lord, and it's not an ask. He's not pleading. He's not asking. I said, but I hear a command to you to get up out of that chair and walk. This was in May. She hadn't walked since November. So Sister Sharon and I, we helped her up, and we did. We helped her walk all the way to the front. I mean, we walked with her because you could tell her legs were wobbly. They were weak. They needed strength. You know, Sister Vera Daniels is in that wheelchair for a couple of years, and then she did not use those legs, and now she can hardly walk. She has no strength in her legs. She has no strength in her lower half of her back. You know, if you don't use something, it's going to get weak, And then you, I mean, if you've even just been sick for three days, you, you try getting up walking and going back to your normal strength. You just can't do it, you know, because the whole body will get weak and just shut down on you. But we did. And that night I got her up and walked with her again. And just every day I said, now, listen, when you get home, you exercise that because God said, walk. I said, you got a command. You cannot sit in that chair no longer. You get up and you walk. He brought you back. This is a dead woman. I said, God raised you back to life. I mean, I just took the authority over it just because God made me. You know, what choice do you have when God's commanding you to do something, you know? But let me tell you what happened that last night. Because we, we didn't have the gymnasium, but we, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we went over to a hotel and we rented their um, big room. And we didn't have as many people, though, but still, we had a lot of room to work, a lot of room to dance and shout and praise God and, you know, do whatever. But that night I preached. I only preached twice. I preached the first night and the last night, and that only by the act of God, because I wasn't going to preach. Just the Spirit of the Lord took me over, and you just knew it was the Lord. But, um, had five people come up in the prayer line. One was a homosexual. And you know what? That homosexual was in the service every service. And you know whose son it was? It was Teresa, you know, the woman that was bound to the man, you know, the husband that had her so bound. And it was her son. And, um, but every night he was in the service, and I just, you know, I didn't know how to deal with that, so I just leave, left it alone. You know If you don't know how to deal with something, just leave it alone. Let God do it. So just the word preached. Anyway, I called for those that needed to be saved. And, you know, of course, we had salvation in every service, but four, five people came up, and he was one of them. We had one that came up. And in this country, he might have said he was in the Gothic, you know, all black. But in that country, you know, he was in all black meaning. He was in the witchcraft, in the powwows, in the demonology, and some of that stuff But he told me because he, he whispered in my ear, and I wasn't certain if he said he was into gambling Because they're big gamblers up there. You know, it's a compensation from the government to give them back, you know, what was taken from them from the white man, You know, like Cherokee and Gatlinburg and it's compensation from the government that they can exploit the white man. So he was into gambling or I wasn't certain, though, if he said gaming. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not, you know, I don't know enough about that to really know. So I wasn't certain what he said, gaming or gambling. But anyway, he said then he was also bound by some sex demons. But I kind of felt like what he was talking about was maybe through the gaming because they're the violent sex. And I think they call it, um, oh, you know, that rough stuff. Um, it's a word for it. Nobody knows? Yes. Yes. I kind of thought maybe that's what he was talking about. And so, you know, all that stuff's over my head. Matter of fact, I'm kind of getting involved in something which is really a good thing for me, the word of the Lord, but yet they asked me what things did I not want to counsel in or, you know, is there any particular area that I just didn't want, you know, to be be a counselor over. And I said, yes, I don't want to be involved with um, mental illness and I don't want to deal with sexual situations. Well, I'm sorry, you know, I just somebody's called to do that for sure but you know there's it's not easy when you go to dealing with people's lives you got to remember there's life and death at stake suicide and cuttings and all this stuff you know goes on with all of this sexual demons and I just didn't feel like I was comfortable enough knowledgeable enough you know I just didn't feel like I wanted to put myself in that because you're up against a lot of things you know what I'm saying and I felt like me as a woman, you know, I'm not really equipped for that. But you know what? You know, God's will be done. But anyway, you know, I prayed for him. He gave his life to the Lord, but then that homosexual. And when I realized who was standing in front of me, it's like, oh, the, all the fire went out. You know, I said, oh, God. But you know, and I just prayed a simple salvation prayer. Before I knew it, that young man that was bound, and you could tell it was obvious. I mean, some people, you can, it's not obvious that they are what they are. Some just look effeminate. Some, you know, you... you you know, they're full-fledged into it. And some, you know, they really cover it well, and you can't tell it. But him, you knew he was trying to be a female. I mean, and that was just so obvious. And so when I saw him standing there, I just said the same. I didn't feel anything. I mean, really, I didn't. But I didn't feel anything for any one of the five. I just prayed a salvation prayer. But you know, God's so real, we don't have to make it happen. But all of a sudden, that, you know, the homosexual fella, he just crumpled up in a little ball, and he fell sobbing to the floor. And, you know, right, somebody had coughed up a bunch of junk, you know, demons and snot and just vomit. And it was just all there in a wad, you know, and he fell right on top of it, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And you just had to say, well, you know, you didn't do it. You, you just know that's beyond you. That's just an act of God. But anyway, across the room, Uh, Nancy had wheeled herself up to the front of the the hotel, you know, room that we were in, what is it called, like the um, buffet room or, you know, wherever they hold their lectures and whatever. She had wheeled herself up, and all of a sudden, on her own, Mary Nancy got up out of that chair, and she began to shout, and she began to dance, and she began to praise the Lord. And she danced, and she shouted until she fell flat on her face. Hallelujah. We've been helping her walk every service. Oh. And then all of a sudden, that last service, she got up on her own. She danced. She shouted. But putting me right back to the first prayer meeting, after that happened with Nancy and after that happened with uh, with Corey, you know, where the demons began coming out, I saw a gift. I saw a gift come out of heaven, and I saw it come and settle down on us. And I spoke it out. I said, oh, I just saw a gift come down out of heaven or, you know, from the air, it come out from somewhere, and it settled down on us. And we were talking when we went out to eat, you know how we do, we, you know, kind of talk about what God had done and, you know, what we saw, what we thought, you know, and uh, we were talking about that gift. I said, well, maybe it's the gift of um, casting out devils. Maybe it's the gift of prophecy. Maybe it's the gift of healing. And then all of a sudden, Brother Donnie spoke up, and he said, no. He said, I know what it is. He said, it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I said, oh, my God. You know, come on now. We boast about a lot of things, but we don't have all the Holy Ghost. We've got a portion of the Holy Ghost. And so it was just the Holy Ghost in a greater dispensation. I mean, and God did these things throughout the week. And then Brother Donnie went back to his church that first Sunday and that same gift followed him there and even in that service, these demons began to come out. Now, it didn't follow me on the savannah, but I had a fire waiting on me. I had construction waiting on me. I had stresses and presses and hallelujah. But I'm telling you something. It is because of the prayer When we get in His face, hallelujah, He's going to get in our face. And you cannot be touched by God and something not happen. But people are not close enough to Him to be touched. We've got to touch Him. And therefore, when we touch Him, He touches us. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So this broad road represents a life of self-indulgence and pleasure. And yes, I had the dream maybe because I was thinking not so much about pleasure, but maybe just resting. Well, y'all just bomb me if you want to dart me. <laughs> you know, just kind of taking a sabbatical sort of, you know, but not Really? Because, you know, I panicked when I woke up, you know, and thought I'd miss my prayer, you know. And, oh, yeah, I know it. Don't take all that. Well, you don't have to pray out like No, but you do when it's in your spirit. When you got, know God's called you to something, you don't do it because you're trying to please man. Man has nothing to do with it. Nobody sees me when I'm in my own private prayer chambers at home. No one. But that is my desire. That is my delight to be in his face. So I don't know, you know, just be careful. Put those frontlets up. You cannot afford to look you know what other churches are doing you cannot afford to look at how full they might be I tell you what sister Pat I seen something on you this morning uh, just a joy hallelujah that I've never seen uh, you know out of your life before and I know you know this is the fruit of your labor and don't you grow weary with what God's doing here Uh, I tell you what when you start out planting a garden you don't come up you don't start out seeing full grown corn Uh, hallelujah you don't walk out the next day and find tomatoes on the bush no there's a lot of labor that goes into that before you ever see the first little thing come up Uh, you know the radishes I think are one of the first crops you can plant and you pretty much do see a turn in a week or two you can go up there and find little plump red you know radishes hallelujah but I tell you what you go on and you wait a while uh, and you keep working those rows you keep working and digging and dunging around those little plants and pulling out those weeds and fertilizing and putting nitrogen out putting the water if you have to and you know in a little while you're going to get some first fruits. Hallelujah. So don't you get weary. Don't you let the devil talk to you. Hallelujah. Because I tell you what, I saw it on your face. If I didn't see it on nobody else's, then I really didn't. But I saw it on yours. You know why? Because these folks are kind of used to it. Sometimes we do get kind of gospel-hardened. We do get kind of immune to what God is doing. We take it for granted. But I tell you what, you don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose and see the fire just displace me. And we don't know what detour, you know. But I told my, even my pastor, we've not been this way before, but she is talking about you don't know who's following you. And that same I a little sister living with me right now. She's a Macintosh, and I knew her years back. And, uh, oh, her name's Winter Weaver, and she is... Um, will say she's a First Nations, but they don't call them that. They are, you know, those uh, First Nations, Choctaw. Her grandfather was a white man, but she's pretty much, you know, she's with that breed, you know. And there's a lot of depression still among those people and a lot of uh, oppression. my new years back. Uh, She got in touch with me on Messenger, private Messenger, but actually she wrote me in 2014. But all of a sudden one day, just, you know, back February, March, you know, this year, like 20 messages that I didn't get, you know, all just came in on me on one day. The good, the bad, and the ugly, because people all around the world, you know, would well, see my face and see my that I'm a missionary evangelist, you know, and the anointing attracts all kinds. Hallelujah. And so I got all kinds of letters that day, but I got hers. And the amazing thing was, she said, in all these years, she's never been able to forget me. And it was so precious because I'd never been able to forget her, and I tried to find her, and I couldn't find her. But then, you know, in that appointed time, I mean, if you're in His face, God's going to make sure that what's supposed to find you will find you. Hallelujah. And what you're supposed to find, you will find. And so um, she gave me her number and told me to call. And I, well, I I wrote her back, you know, because I had all that going on and so on. But she did. She called me and we began talking and she had had a wreck. And she had a head injury, and she'd lost her memory. I mean, she played keyboard and sang and played drums and uh, played guitar. And uh, she preached from the time she was 12 till she was 21. She backslid. I don't know what happened, but her life took on a turn. She backslid. She got on drugs, and she got married, and her husband had an accident, and he became paralyzed, and Winter had the wreck. and She had the head injury, and she couldn't take care of it. I'm telling you, sometimes you think you've gone through something. She... um, uh, she couldn't take care of him, so the state came in and said they were going to put him in a nursing home. Well, he couldn't deal with that, so he killed himself. And, you know, the girl's just been through so much trauma. Her mama sells drugs. Her mama's sister sells drugs. Just so much boom, 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 boom. You know, just one thing after another. I tell you what, the devil just tried to destroy the girl, so... um. So I brought her to stay with me, and she's been with me now going on five months. And I've been in the dream that I dream, because I've been trying to work with her and help her. She's, she's retaught herself how to read and how to write. And she's, she's doing a good job on the keyboard, but she doesn't have any confidence in herself. And she can tear the drums up, but the keyboard, she just lacks the confidence and the singing. But, yep, we're trying to pull it out of her. You know, if there's a gift in there, God will pull it out. Hallelujah. I'm trying to work with her on prayer. You know, prayer's not strong for any nation or any creed or any people. Hallelujah. You gotta cultivate a prayer life. So I've really been working with her and she was gonna come with me this weekend, but my sister Sonda and her husband there one of the twins had was having surgery so they went and it was a good opportunity for winter to go and see her family I don't care what your family comes out of you know you love your family she had gotten homesick so she went home with them and I kind of had a little bit of fear maybe that she wouldn't come back but she's on her way back and she's so excited to come back she she calls me mama Sheila she she don't want to leave me and she does kind of go into a panic when she's away from me because I bring stability and comfort you know we don't know what people's been through Hallelujah. And so, you know, I, I'm going to be there, you know, and every little thing, well, y'all not going to kick me out. Brother Albert's not going to kick me I said, girl, we are never going to kick you out. This is your home. I just stressed to her, you know. But anyway, God's giving me a little traveling buddy. And so, I mean, she's precious. She's trying to get some disability. But when she went home this weekend, she found out she actually is edu- eligible for widows fund or whatever widow's rights or whatever and I knew she was but I mentioned it to her but you know if you don't have the right people to steer you in the right directions you know you miss a lot are y'all getting anything out of this I'm kind of just going on and on and on but I am very excited about what God is doing but you know it's not going to come any other way it's not going to come through the big crowds It's not going to come through great tent meetings, even though I do believe we're going to have them. But it's all going to be done through prayer. Everything that's done is going to be done through prayer. We pray, we obey, and then God is going to do His work. But, you know, we've not even been this way before. The narrow road. Let me tell you what narrow represents. Let me read that scripture. He said, Because straight is the gate. He said, Many there be which go in there at. It's no struggle to get on the broad road. It's no struggle to get into pleasure and get into, you know, self indulgence. I mean, is it? We all could just kick back in the lazy chair and turn the TV on. It's no struggle to do that. The struggle is getting up out of the chair. (laughs) Oh, come on now. I'm just a realist. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I might turn on HSN or QVC or Fox News or just. And, I, and it'll be on, and I'm in the chair, and I'm not hearing one word. Because that chair represents everything that I am. I mean, it's my study. It's my, it's my reading time. It's my rest. It's my composure. It's my, I ah, give me a break moment here. You know, let me just chill. This is my chair. This is my space. Uh, hallelujah. So move. You know what I'm talking about? all in a nice way, but nobody gets in my chair, and you know, during all those months, I wasn't even able to get in my chair at about 11 o'clock at night, you know, and then I just would sit there, zonked out, I mean, I'd be awake, but my mind would be displaced, you know, just way someplace, you know, in the far Netherlands or something, but um. But this other scripture, so, I mean, it's no big deal to enter in on that road, You know, and to walk on the broad road, life of self-indulgence, pleasure. But, verse 14 says, because straight is the gate. See, straight also means narrow. And narrow is the way. She was talking about the way being direction. I mean, that way, that direction, that life is going to, it's narrow. And you know why narrow Narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Now listen, if you're on the broad road, it's no big deal. You just walk on it. But if you're on the narrow road, look, few's going to be on that road. Why? Because they have to find it. Few there be that find it. In other words, it's not obvious. The broad road's obvious. We all want to chill. We all want to take a break. We all want to get to the mountains and forget, you know, that we're called to preach or called to pray or called to be an example or called to be a leader, called to responsibility, called to the work. We all just want to sit back and say, hey, forget you even know me. You know, forget my name, forget my telephone number. Hey, don't call me. I will call you. We all have that moment, don't we? Screening that phone. Oh, I can't bother with them today now. Ooh, not today, Lord, not today. <laughs> but, you, but many there be that walk in there out. Just walk on That's all you got to do. No biggie. Just go. Whatever you want to do, just do it. But if you're going to walk on that narrow road, first you got to find it. That's what he said. Few there be that find it because few's going to search for it. Let me tell you something. If I, if I misplace these glasses, there's going to be a hunt go on or my key to the car or to the house? Am I kind of being Um, long-winded? There's gonna be a hunt. And then not only am I going to get desperate, but everybody in the house, I'm going to call them to look too. Have you seen my keys? Have you seen my glasses? Y'all get up and help me, please. i got to have my glasses. I can't see. i got stuff to do, and I need them. I can't read. I can't write checks out. I can't study my Bible. I can't find my key. I can't find my key. I can't create my car. Y'all, somebody help me, please. Now, I know y'all never lose anything, do you? But keys and my glasses... Are the two things I lose the most, and I try to put my key right back in my pocketbook because I don't really have a car key. I have a fob, but still the the fob won't crank unless I've got uh within fifty feet you know of the of the car, so it's got to be in my pocketbook somewhere as I'm approaching the car you know or and then you know and i because I don't use the key, I use my thumb to open my door with you know because of the fob you know. Not because I got intelligence in my thumb. (laughs) But the fob's in my pocketbook and so I can run my finger down the side of my door and it opens. But because I'm not used to holding anything in my hand, I never have to take the fob out of my pocketbook. But because I never use it, sometimes I forget that I left it on the table. And then I'm locked out of the house. And I said, wait, I'm tired of this now. I've been locked out too many times. And Brother Meadows was supposed to make me a... Master key, and he never did do it, but anyway, I all right, Brother Meadows. I told Albert, I said, just hide me a key somewhere on this property so when I get locked out of my house, I've got another key. So we do, we hide it until somebody needs it, and then we go tell them where it's at, and then we lose our hiding place. <laughs> and we lose our key too. <laughs> but let me tell you what narrow means. You know, no big deal to enter in on that broad road, but on that narrow road, you've got to find it hallelujah but don't you want to find it don't you want to be one of the few many call few chosen why few chosen cause few's gonna find that that they're chosen for but narrow means affliction it means troubles it means to suffer it means to go through tribulation who's gonna look for that Come on now, who's going to look for trouble? But I tell you what, if you're called to go on the narrow road, you know, and there's another way to put it, it's as though two, two rocks. Now, if you study this out, you'll find this is exactly what it's going to say in your Greek. It, the narrow road, it's as though two rocks, not just any kind of smooth rocks, but two rocks with pointed edges are put together, and then you're trying to go through the two pointed rocks. You ever been on the rapids? Well, I went one time, and what's those the rapid water, you know, and just kind of just—I'm in mean, the water. Don't even have to be deep, but if it's a rapidly flowing water, you know, and you lose your equilibrium or you lose your footing, and then you—it just pits you up against rock against rock, and you're not coming up without scrapes and bruises and bloody. So that's the narrow road. It's as though two sharp rocks were put together and you got to somehow squeeze. Who's going to look for that place? where well, you know two sharp rocks are stuck together and you got to squeeze through. And let me put it another way. You'll find this in your studies too. It's as though a woman was giving birth and the baby was having to go through the birth canal. So I asked my friend Debbie when I saw this. It's been some years back. Not the scripture here, but I was studying something else. But it brought me to the narrow you know, the narrow road here. And I said, Debbie, wouldn't it be so much, because she's laboring delivery for 15 years. I said, wouldn't it be so much better for the baby to be born through C-section? It's so much less trauma on the baby. She said, no. She said the baby has to go through the birth canal because when it goes through the birth canal, all the excess liquid is squeezed out. And when the baby's born by C-section, they have to manually do it and it's almost never done without problems. So that narrow road is a type of the birth canal being born again. Hallelujah. So I'm steady being born again. I'm steady. I'm not saying I've been born all the way in, but I can tell you right now I'm smack dab in the middle of the birth canal and I'm hollering, Ouch! Those two sharp rocks are rubbing me and I'm bleeding. You might not see it today, but I'm a bucket of blood. Hallelujah. I'm a puddle. I melt right down in a puddle of blood. Well, brother, you'll be there. He's looking at me like, "Whoa, sister Sheila, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gonna put up a tent? Woo! I can't wait. I'll bring some sponges. I'm not gonna worry about band-aids. That ain't big enough to cover up the hole you're gonna have." <laughs> <laughs> you go to preaching just one little or something that nobody agrees with, buddy. You're gonna need. You're gonna need. Need those great big old gauzes. I mean, the kind you plug up holes with. You know, the kind they used in World War II and, you know, Vietnam. They just pack it. Pack it to stem the flow. Hallelujah. And if you're looking up here, I got all kind of holes. Woo! Hallelujah. Some of them. And Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You better believe Jacob come out from wrestling with the angel. Hallelujah. With a limp. You ain't coming out without a scar. You ain't coming out without a limp. You ain't coming out without a bump or a bruise. Hallelujah! Because that is the narrow road which I choose.
0: Hallelujah!
1: Yes! I don't want to just go on that broad road. It has nothing for me. But I'm choosing this way of life. Yes, I hit a snag every now and then. Like every day. (laughs) Hallelujah! but. Being in his face helps me to deal with it. A few there be that find it, praise the Lord. I'm getting ready to close. I don't know. I might have been a little bit long, and I didn't even go into the great thing, which the risk really is, because, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes we all look, you know, for a little bit easier sometimes, a little less. Lord, can't I just take a break, you know, every now and then from the stress, the strife, the... You know, every now and then, Lord, just can't I get a break? You ever think that, Brother Metis? Can you just get a break sometimes? You know, so hence the dream. And it may be even more than that, but I feel like God is just saying, you know, we've not been this way before. And really, if we are on this road, we're going to have to hunt for it. It's in obscurity for a little while. But I believe God is going to clarify things for us. I believe we're going to be able to see the way. John four fourteen and 6, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Hallelujah. This way that we choose, and we do choose it, we got to look for it. It is troubles, it's trials, it's stresses, it's afflictions, it's heartache, it's disappointments. God knows we've had disappointments. I'd venture to say we get disappointed every time it's church time and so-and-so doesn't come. We get disappointed. And you have such high hopes for people, and then after a while, though, you do get a little bit disillusioned. You know, and you say, "Oh well. There's that voice that says, well, what's the use, you know? But the broad road says what's the use. The narrow road Says, stay on the trail. Sooner or later, you're going to come into the promised land. Hallelujah. But there is a journey we've got to go through first. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just stand to your feet. There is something great, though, about to happen. I have to concur with Brother Meadows on this. Oh, it's been just a few weeks back. I don't know, six weeks. Time, yeah, I lose track of time, but. Again, I was asleep, and the voice of the Lord came to me. And this is what He said He said, I'm about to put something in your hand. And immediately, when He said that, you know, it woke me up, of course, that He's about to put something in my hand. And my mom went back to a dream that I had years back in the 80s where I saw an angel come down out of heaven. And y'all remember this I told you. This angel was walking around, she was passing out gifts. And when she'd get to certain one, she'd say, Hold out your hand. And they'd hold out their hand and she'd put um, the angel, she was a woman. But she'd put the gift of this is use this, this is for cancer. Then she'd walk to somebody else and she'd say, Hold out your hand. And she'd say, use this, this is for diabetes. And then she'd go to somebody else, use this. This is for, and she named off, you know, she just went from various ones, naming off different diseases. You know, they say that, um, or the studies, I tell you that those 39 stripes represent 39 major diseases, that every other disease and affliction and sickness comes from one of those 39 major diseases. Does that make sense to you? So she was naming off, you know, the different things to use that for. But when she got to me, she told me to, ho- she told me to hold out my hand. And I held out my left hand. You know why? Because I, I always hold the microphone with my right. So I held out my left hand. And when she put the gift in my hand, it was a living, burning star from the galaxy. And it was live when she put the star in my hand. And it rolled out of my hand, and it rolled to my feet, and it burned into ashes. And I know that the star represents the message So when the Lord came to me the other night and spoke in that audible voice, He's about to put something in my hand. I mean, I woke up and immediately I thought about the star. Because listen, it's nothing that we can do. It's got to be in the message. There is a word of God about to come forth. That's going to get the job done. He told Jeremiah, he said, I'll make the words in your mouth fire and I'll make the people wood. And when that word of God fell at my feet, which feet represent, you know, the the gospel, it burned into ashes. And either somebody's going to receive the word unto life or somebody's going to receive the word unto death. But all we're going to do, we're going to execute the word and God's going to do what he does. But we got to get in position. And I do believe, you know, this word that's coming forth, you know, about prayer. And, you know, we got to stay on the narrow road. Put those frontlets up. Be careful. Because, see, I could look, you know, I could look at the fact that I've been in the same church 32 years and I still seem to be sitting there. I could look at the fact that, well, I won't say everything that I could be looking at, but there's a lot of things that go on in church that you could look at, you know. But I had to do this. had to put frontlets on my eyes. You know what frontlets are? They're the things that put on horses, you know, so they can't see on either side of them. They lead them through fires and lead them through different things. And we got to do the same thing. As a matter of fact, that's one of the laws, you know, one of the sub laws under the law, you know, in Deuteronomy, they had to put frontlets on their eyes and on the, you know, they had to put scripture, you know, on the you know, frontlets, praise God, so that no matter what you look at, all you're seeing is the Word. I hope and pray you all got something, you know, from the Word. I do want to pray for you, sis, Um, behind Sister Susie. Sister Susie, you're doing good. I tell you what, you're like a powerhouse, you know, just, oh, the energy bunny, I just, oh, but that's the anointing. That's the anointing that's in you, hallelujah. And that Word, I see that star, it's in you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're not doing nothing like what you're fixing to do, too. I'm talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You're going to get to come off a of job soon. Hallelujah. I don't know. I, hadn't even, I guess i seen you the last time at Brother Meadows, and that's been what, last year? It's been a long time. I don't know what's happened. Hallelujah, but you've really gone through it. Hallelujah. Your face wears it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Such discouragement, or Lord, such oppression. God, she's trying to make the best of it. God, she's doing a wonderful job, but God, she's been through it. Oh, God, she's been trampled, and she's been run over. God, oh, Lord Jesus, she's been talked about. God, she's been put down, but God, today, Lord God, she's one of those little ones. Oh, God, she's had to search you out, God, but Lord, she's found this narrow trail. Sis, but God said tell you, Hallelujah, it's been obscure and you have been in the darkness but God said you're about to come out into a clearing uh, oh don't let Satan cause you to look uh, you know that that's on either side of you but keep your eyes straight ahead don't take it off the Lord uh, cause he's gonna show you the way <laughs> hallelujah he's gonna show you the way to go the truth and the life cause he is the truth uh, he is the life and God said tell you you're on this journey Hallelujah, but all these things that you've been going through, God's about to turn your captivity. You. Hallelujah, He's going to lift up a standard for you, and even your countenance is going to show forth a change. So be encouraged, He said, tell you, He's not forgot about you. <laughs> he's with you every step of the way. Hallelujah, it's just because you chose the narrow road. And you better know when you choose the narrow road, that's what you're choosing, you're choosing, you're choosing that way. It's going to take you through those sharp rocks. But he's fixing to bring you out into a clearing. Sometimes we need a clearing. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, sometimes we just my oh. sick. Healing, 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 Jesus. God, heal her bruised heart. Heal her wounded spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, and God is going to do it, sis. Don't, don't, don't think evil. Hallelujah. Those that thought evil you. You just keep your spirit right. Keep your heart right. Keep your eyes off. Put those frontlets up, because you're fixing to step out and do a clearing. Hallelujah. He's fixing to bring you out to a wealthy place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You're going to make it now. Hallelujah. Because you chose to go with God. And so he's going with you. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all give him the praise tonight. Today. Hallelujah. It's been so good to be here. I hope y'all got something. I'll have to carry on and tell you my other visitation for another time. Hallelujah. How many of you know one little low dream from God? You can just preach on it for weeks. But I did see something else that was just as great. Praise the Lord. I mean, this is what we're going through right now, this obscure place. He's going to bring us all out into a clearing soon. But we got to get up that mountain. And I saw myself as I was going up the mountain, I saw things falling off of me. The steeper, the higher the mountain, the steeper the journey, you know. But the more things is going to fall off of us. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about what God is doing, not going to do. He is doing it. We just don't know if this is going to be the service, so you can't afford to miss. Because just like Canada, just like some other things, I mean, you know, that I've experienced. And just like you've experienced, I'm sure we just can't afford to miss it. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand clap. I will throw this at you. Lord willing, we'll be going to Africa again in January. And I'm so excited. Ghana hadn't been since 2010. But yes, praise God. Hallelujah, finally. He's sending us back again. So I'm thankful. Praise God. And so y'all be praying. I mean, the whole world's a dangerous place. But... It's all right. If I, if I go on to Ghana and I don't make it back, hallelujah, I'll see you when you get there. <laughs> hallelujah. God bless you. Come on, Brother Matter. <laughs> give your pastor a great big hand clap. Praise God. I do hope and pray y'all got something. But I was a little bit excited and, and scattered. Y'all just, uh, praise God, get there with me.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give her and the Lord a good hand clap. All uh-huh. right. I appreciate the Word. I really do. You know, it's it's prayer. And I was talking to a a brother late last night. I told you he's the one that calls me a spiritual father. And I said, I want you every evening, because he's still working a job. I said, I want you to go to your church or I want you to get in your study. And I want you to go to prayer. And I said, I want you to start praying every evening. Spending time in prayer. Because you know, but I mean, I know, I know preachers. A lot of them won't pray unless they got to preach. They won't study unless they got to preach. It's wrong. It's wrong. And the Lord has stirred my spirit on prayer. He stirred Brother Michael's spirit on prayer. My son. He's driving an hour and a half on Wednesday night to be in the Fort Payne service. An hour and a half home has to get up and go to work next morning. And now he's coming up on Saturday night, and they're going to the church and getting in prayer. Because there's something moving in prayer. And I feel like the prayer here is fixing to start growing. And I know as we get settled in, we'll probably start having a a, a midweek service. But I'm not interested in just having service. I'm interested in getting in prayer and cultivating a relationship with God and getting you to cultivate a relationship. And I'm fixing to challenge preachers. Preachers don't like it when I challenge them. (laughs) I'm fixing to challenge them to start going to prayer every day, whether it be morning, whether it be evening, whether it be both, because... I'm going to spend as much time as I can up here. I'll be up here all next week as far as I know. There are things we got to go back and do from time to time. We had to go home last week. We didn't get to come back up to Thursday, but as far as I know, I'll be here all next week. I will be in this church every night in prayer. There may be times I'll spend all night. But we've got to get hold of this because something will happen now win. If we don't make the effort now, when are we going to do it? Because I'm going to tell you something. Churches got complacent. People got complacent with coming and you know what people will say when the Lord moves on them to pray? Well, I'll pray a little while. Don't bother. If you're not going to come to get in the presence of God and stay there until you feel the release of the Spirit of God, Does anyone know what the word pray through means? Do you know? When I first come to the Lord in nineteen seventy two, when I got in prayer, I prayed till I felt the quickening and the release of the Spirit of God. That's what we call praying through. Every time I went to prayer, says Deborah sometimes it's two or three times a day, I would not let up in prayer or come out of prayer, says Sheila, till I felt that quickening that God had heard me, and I felt like I'd prayed through. I had to get back then, I had to get up four thirty every morning, but there'd be times it'd be twelve thirty one one thirty two o'clock in the morning that I would be pressing in prayer, and I would pray through before I'd ever let up. I want that back I want that back. don't have it we don't have it people don't even know what it means to pray through anymore they don't don't know what it means to pray through and they think if you you pray through it's because you committed sin (laughs) you got to come repent the church has made repentance a dirty word they made the altar a dirty word but it's not altars your best friend repentance is your best friend and I know there's this is first ministers' meeting I've met since '97, because it was a vision God gave me that got the ministers' meet started, to get ministers because I didn't have a church to get ministers to come together, fellowship one another, sit and listen and learn from one another, and it's never culminated like it should have. Somewhere that vision will culminate, that ministers will come listen to one another, and learn from one another and fellowship one another and have love for one another. But this is the first minister we started in 97. This is the first one I've missed. But just circumstance. Just happens that way sometimes. But God's wanting to take us into a realm and a place in prayer that we've never walked in. Because he created us to live in us. Amen. He created us to live in us. And I want that spirit of prayer back. I feel like I've got a lot more knowledge in God. And I'm not saying God don't use me. God don't talk to me. But there's just, there's a relationship there. That my soul's crying out for. And I will find it. I will find it. But God has put a challenge in my spirit to press him to move in j There's going to be a move of God in L.J. You can't go back to 2012 when Brother Justin said he was listening to camp. He was talking about a change and God moved. 2014, God spoke with change. The things God spoke about the kingdom. The way God changed my life. Pulled me totally out of the Fort Payne church. Put me up here. Everything God's done. How God spoke to us to stand still. And there for six months, I couldn't even... Couldn't even preach, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do nothing. Man, you talk about somebody climbing the walls because I couldn't be in church. It wasn't that I had to preach, I just wanted to be in church. Because I love. And I and people that don't want to go to church and don't want to pray and don't want to seek God, there's something wrong with you. Because when I fell off the roof in two thousand and I couldn't get on my knees to pray. Of course, I know you don't always have to get on your knees. I couldn't. I didn't have the energy. I couldn't. I hurt. And then when I, that stuff with that sugar hit me, and I didn't have the energy to do anything. For months, I didn't have energy. Couldn't pray. Oh, God, I thought I was going to die. Because prayer has been my life going into 45 years. I've always prayed and sought God. Always. Always. There's there's something changing. There's something moving. There's a working of the Spirit of God. And I appreciate this encouraging word today. Appreciate the direction because it's all about prayer. Good church ain't going to do it. Good singing ain't going to do it. Good preaching ain't going to do it. Having knowledge and wisdom ain't going to understand. I mean, the Bible plainly tell you knowledge will puff you up. Is that not what the Word says? Knowledge puffeth up. It's going to be getting back down to the basics in prayer. I appreciate this Word today. And the Lord dealt with my heart last week, and I brought it out in Fort Payne. And I don't think I've mentioned it anywhere else. But the Lord started dealing with my heart again about people getting back to giving. How many of you know what the word prove God means? You ever heard anybody use that phrase? People used to prove God all the time, so she don't prove God anymore. But the Lord taught me years ago that if you face something or you're facing something, you prove God. And so many times I've proved God over the years. And God always comes through. I can remember years ago, I don't remember where I was, I was out on the field. That's when I still evangelize Now, I don't know if my wife will remember this or not, but I had a dream that a huge snake, I mean, this thing was huge, was trying to swallow up my middle daughter. And I called her and told her, I said, get your hands on whatever you can get your hands on, prove God. I said, maybe 50, maybe 100, maybe, I said, whatever we can do. And whenever God would deal with me to prove him, he'd always tell me a a, a ministry or minister to put the... With that in their hands, and we did. I said, Because God, I ain't there to protect her. you. Can't protect them, no. How you can do all you can do. Job done everything he could do, offered sacrifices for his kids day and night, prayed for them day and night, did everything he could do, but still in God's hands. And it wasn't too long after that till she came to one of my meetings, she was about 13, 12, 13 years old, I believe. I can't even remember. But there was a homosexual spirit started warning her. And God led me to her. And God broke that thing off her because I proved God. And in ninety eight I had my tent, Collinsville, Alabama, I remember it well. Lord spoke to me one night, said, Prove me. I called her and told her, I said, You write out a check. I said, You put it in the mail, you prove God. Before my house burned, I'd sent a missionary and a $1,000 offering to help them. When I gave that Proof God offering, that night on that tent in Collinsville, the very next afternoon, about 3.30 she called me. And I said, what? She said, I just had a wreck." She said, "I top the hill, it's pouring down rain. lady said, dead stopped in the road. I didn't see her, and I topped that hill. She said, then it's too late. I said, you okay? She said, yeah. I said, any of the kids with you? She said, both of them. The two girls with me. I said, they okay? She said, yeah. Everybody had their seatbelts on. God said, there she proved God offering. We got to get back to living by the word, to proving God, to honoring God with our tithing offerings. Brother Donald was just testifying, Sister Deborah was testifying this morning. In the last month. Probably about the last month, hadn't it? God's paid off. Two debts. I'm talking about one was a company like you worked for. And the lady called them in, said, Here's your title and your keys, and forgave several hundred dollars. $600. That don't happen. Nearly $600. A a title place called Sister so We got a surprise for you. And she went in and because they had been such a good customer they gave her back her title and her keys and forgave nearly $600. That don't happen. But you know why? They've been given bountifully to help us, to sustain us up here. Because things are tight right now. About, about a month ago, Brother Donald's boss called him in, wrote him a check, paid off another loan. Just gave it to him. You can't outgive God, and that's why I tell people: when you get in the fire, don't get out of church, don't get away from the Word, and don't quit giving. I don't care how you're stressed financially, because when you stay with that Word, and if God speaks to you, prove Him. Because his word says, I will open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's not what you give. It's your obedience. Because the Lord told me, $20 to some is a sacrifice. But I had a man... He used to come to my meetings just every now and then. He'll still support me just every now and then. But he could reach in his bill phone, take $1,000, $100 bills, never miss it. Never miss it. he come to one of my meetings years back. God delivered him from a suicide spirit, alcoholic spirit, cigarettes. I mean... When he walked on the tent that night after service, he hadn't slept in four days. He had a demon talking to him about to devour him. He was talking to him about taking his life. It's very successful. And he turned around and bought a piece of equipment for me that I very desperately needed, $23,000. Turn around and wired it to me so I could buy that piece of equipment. And I met him and his wife somewhere a couple of days later after God delivered him and ate breakfast with him and thanked him, he looked at me and so said, said, pocket change. So see, something, $100 meaning might be a sacrifice, but there's people out there who got thousands. It ain't what you give. It's the obedience with God. But when you get in a warfare and you get in a struggle, and you can't seem to break free and God talks to you God deals with you don't think you can't prove God you can prove God if it takes everything you've got you can prove God the widow woman at Zarpath proved God with her last handful of meal her last bit of oil in the cruise and what did the man of God tell her he said go get me some water she went to get him some water she started off he said oh by the way I pray thee bring me a piece of bread she said, man of God, she said, I got a little handful of meal and a little bit of oil. She said, I'm fixing to fix the last meal for me and my son. He said, we go, he didn't die. He said, fix for me first. Is that not the word? He said, fix for me. You always take care of God. If you think I'm saying this, get this, Get you money. Keep you money I'm telling you what the word says I'm telling you proven testimonies down through the years you can testify all the times you've proved God a lot of you can this is something people have let slip and I believe God's going to bring it back to our remembrance. are you hearing me because we come into the place now the just are going to, we're going to walk by faith. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to have to. We're going to get there. Our business went bust. People didn't do right. They didn't do what they told me. We lost thousands of dollars that people just put in their pocket and walked off with. I had to do a lot of praying. I was fighting so hard financially and the people turned around and walked off with money they made by my business. and Just put it in their pocket and walked off with it. It's all right. You better believe God will handle it. We have one of them buy a piece of equipment on our account. And when I found out about the other day, I got in touch with them and asked them about it. I ain't giving it back to you. I ain't going to pay for it either. I said, okay. It's all right. God can handle it. But God will put you in place you got to pray and keep the right spirit. And I don't want nothing in my spirit. I want to learn to pray for my enemies. I want, I want, I want to learn to love their souls. I ain't going to love their ways. But I am going to love their souls. And I'm going to pray for them. Because that stuff's got to get out of our heart. But when you're fighting hard financially and somebody takes advantage of you, it hurts. Especially when you trust people. And people don't do right. And you really got to pray for them. And see, God does all that for you. God does all that to keep your heart clean. God does all that keep your spirit clean. But let's get back to doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And I'm not saying we're not. But when the Lord put this in my spirit, we're still on live stream. The Lord told me there was three people out there that was hearing my voice that night that needed to prove God and I know there's more than that in a situation When you get a situation you can't break out of start praying the Lord deals with you prove him prove him because it works amen I so appreciate you my sister really do we're not in a place we can help you much right now but you know I've helped you in the past. And you know we will again. But I want you all help her today. Amen. I want you all to help her today. Because I've been on the mission field with her. Like I said, we went to Canada May of last year. We had, oh God, just the miracles and deliverance was unreal. I mean, it was, and we'll, we'll go back at the right time. But see, I can't, I got a man right now that i I preached for him in 2002. Met him in 2000. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all remember Brother Franklin Walden. Uh, He had a great deliverance ministry back in the 50s and 60s. He had a church in Canada. And he had a heart attack in 94. And after that, he wasn't able to do a whole lot. He called me in 2000. I was just recovering. Matter of fact, I hadn't really preached any. I think this is either June or July of 2000. I hadn't preached any since I fell off the roof. he, he, He called me and wanted me to fly to Canada and preach his camp meeting up there. And we did. And we met a man up there that had a church about 100 miles away. And so I went up there and preached for him. And then in 2002, we carried 22 people from church in Fort Payne up there. And little old church... Probably about as long as this but half as wide. <laughs> I mean narrow. And we had that thing packed. And I was there at the last service. And a lady come and had to come up steps like it's out here. But there wasn't no ramp. She was on crutches. And I stand outside says Sheila and she walked up. She was walking on the crutch. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I got lupus. She said I'm dying. Can't walk. Spirit of God fell on me in that service. God healed that lady. Ten minutes after God healed her, she walked down the aisle with her granddaughter, took her in her arms, no crutches, just walked down there. Said, would you dedicate her to the Lord? And that man's been contacting me for the last year. Please come. Please come. Please come back. We enjoy your ministry. We need this kind of word. Matter of fact, he used to get my CDs out of Fort Payne when we started the church. And he told people. He said, if every one of y'all get these CDs and just give a dollar a piece for them. He said, you could really help this man. He used to listen to my CDs. I don't know if he still, but I just got a message from him a couple of weeks ago. Please pray about coming for a fall camp meeting. Please pray about coming. He's about 100 mile out of Toronto up there. Good man. Loves God. But I met him when I went up and preached with Brother Walton. That word I preached, soul, set your soul on fire. There's a feel out there. I'm not going anywhere right now unless I'm led by the Spirit of God. I mean, God's got to speak to me. But there'll be a time. You hear me? There'll be a time. This thing's fixing to explode. I know it. I feel it. So fight for what God's doing here. Support what God's doing here. Help Sister Sheila today. Help her today. You won't regret it. Amen. You won't regret it. Because she she's going to use the offering for the right thing. She's going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. I believe that. You appreciate the Lord. Will you stand? If you got something for Sister Sheila, put it over here in the pastor bucket. Tithing an offering for the church. I'm going to put it over here in the tithe bucket. But come, let's do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And don't forget your missions. If you got something for missions.